tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, following on from our conversation yesterday about the CMO's warning to parents not to ask grandparents to take care of kids with uh, respiratory illnesses, we'll be speaking to grandparents today about that special bond with grandchildren because our conversation yesterday veered off towards that, so we We'll chat about that in just a little while. How would you feel about QR codes on headstones? This is a fascinating story that was on Nationwide the other night. And it's I, I think it's really, really interesting. And I think it really will catch on. We'll chat about that too. A ban of the sale of e-cigarettes uh, to under-18s has been approved by the Cabinet. We'll hear of another racist incident in Tipperary and Newcastle Historical Society. They host a postcard launch in the community hall this weekend. So all of that and much, much more on the way. Now, we will play match three just after 11. And if you want to uh, register with us, you can do so now. And we'll call somebody back just after 11 o'clock. So that's in association with our friends at Stakedums. And uh, if you just send match three and you name your details to 083 311 That's for text or for WhatsApp. You can email it any time at all. And that's uh, tip today at tipfm.com. Quick look at the headlines. The Irish Times leading with uh, rising prices, stalling recovery. Ireland's rapid economic recovery from COVID has stalled in the face of rising prices and cost of living pressures. And that's according to the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council. Also on the front of the Times today, consumers are unlikely to see any reduction in their electricity bills despite another sharp monthly fall in wholesale electricity prices in October. That's according to the Energy Regulator. And also on the Times today, the Spiritan Order, the former Holy Ghost Fathers, has revealed congressional assets worth more than 57 million euro as it deals with hundreds of allegations of sexual abuse in its schools. And one of those schools, of course, Rockwell College in Tipperary. And the Irish Daily Mail, Ian Bailey's ex is suing Netflix. Ian Bailey's former partner is suing Netflix over a documentary series about the murder of Sophie Toscan Duplantier. Uh, Jules Thomas is her name and she's also suing the production company and the, the writer-director of that as well. The Irish Independent Airlines plan millions of new seats to the sun as flights boom. Dublin Airport could have millions more seats available for travel next month as airlines gear up uh, for a return to near normality in the aftermath of the pandemic. And uh, to the Irish Examiner, and again, they're dealing with that story of Jules Thomas suing Netflix over Sophie's programme. Uh, also on the Examiner today, uh, we're reading that uh, Sergeant Garda, uh, I beg your pardon, Secret, Secret Garda recordings of Jared the Monk Hutch and Jonathan Dowdle's uh, trip to the north played at the Special Criminal Court yesterday included references to Gardy acting like headless chickens and Daniel Kinahan. 
Um, uh, looking in, okay, and it goes on to have some rather spicy language there as well. And also a discussion of Dowdle's interactions with Sinn Féin and the Republicans as well. So that would make for very interesting listening. I'm sure you would agree. If you want to comment on any of those headlines, 083 311 Now, yesterday we spoke to one of our listeners, Jody, regarding warnings from the Chief Medical Officer to parents not to ask grandparents to take care of kids with respiratory illnesses due to several reported cases of RSV. But the conversation soon veered towards the emotional bond with grandchildren. Liam contributed to the conversation and he joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today. You, you're in agreement with uh, Jody, and you were telling us, Liam, that you're experiencing that at the moment with, with grandchildren. Absolutely, Fran. Yeah, I, I have four grandchildren, two boys and two girls, and they're all around the same age. The, one of the boys is 14 months, and his sister is four. And my other granddaughter is will be four in February, and her brother's a little over two. And I spend maybe one day a week babysitting uh, one of the family groups. And uh, I used to babysit up in Dublin and the rest of them. But uh, the distance is too far away now. But uh, I have to say it's probably the most joyous experience I've ever had in my life, being with them. It's unbelievable. Can you describe it to me, Liam? I mean, first of all, you, you, who was your first grandchild? Uh, my first grandchild was a girl. Uh, she's now four. Right. And, and, and what, then, that feeling, was, uh, that, was that a shock to you? Well, I think the first reaction was, I want to live longer now. I want to watch them growing up. I want to be there for them, you know. And when you shove on an age, I'm, I'm in my 70s. Um, and then when you see the baby, when you see the, the grandchild first, you don't want to hold the, the grandchild because you're afraid you let the, the, mm. the child fall or whatever. But as to grow up, moving on, and you watch the stages that are growing up, it's unbelievable. It's very hard to describe it. It's, you just have to experience it, you know. It's and, beautiful. It's just beautiful. Is it similar to that feeling you had with when you, when you had your own children, Liam, is it? No. Uh, now, it's so, <laughs> so long ago, it's hard to remember. Yeah. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Um, uh, you, don't, you don't think the same way. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you think the same way. You've gone through a lot and over over the years and now it's a different era you're in and you're watching them. And As I said initially to you there, you just want to be around for them, yeah. you know, and watch them growing up at different stages. But you describe it as a beautiful feeling, Liam. Oh, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so endearing. Yeah. You know... Um, now, it's not always great at the times when there's tantrums and etc. Yes, and things go wrong. And the other thing I'm very conscious of, because I babysit a, a fair bit with them, um, you're afraid something will happen to them in your watch, like they'll oh, fall or they'll cut themselves. Oh, gotcha. I mean, at times, you wouldn't get time to make a cup of tea for yourself because you're afraid something will happen, you know. Yes, but, but it's made up for by uh, the joy of it, I suppose, is it? Well, I tell you, when when you hear the words coming out of a grandchild for the first time, granddad, that is so touching. It's so touching. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, extremely memorable, yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. 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 Unbelievable. And you know, at times, I live on my own, and at times, you, you miss them so much at times, you just turn on the... It's great now that 
I get videos of them, you know, on my yes. phone, and I can turn on, and uh, you're living it in the room with them, and you just listen, hear the expressions, you know, and then the, you, you watch even a year ago, and now look at them, and the way they're progressed and that, you know, it's... it's so when you're not with them, you'd still be... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that incredible? Every night, every night I go to bed, I think of them, yeah. Do yeah. you? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, but you have to. Yeah, it's they're your life. They're part of your, they're your life, you know. It's interesting that you're chiming in exactly what Jody said, that Jody has been through the mill with health and stuff over the years, but it, it gives that incentive to, to live and to continue on because of them. It's it's amazing, isn't it? It It, it is amazing. Mm. It, it, it sure is, you know. Um, you know, no later than yesterday, 14-month-old boy, I was walking around the road with him, his father was going up to him to do something, and... Um, he came back in and he was tired. It was around half five last, yesterday evening. And he just fell asleep in my arms. comes over to me. That feeling, that, that moment, that, that's beautiful, you know. Oh, you can hear him breathing in your arms, on your chest. It's, so it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, you describe it so beautifully, yeah. And, and do you feel extremely protective then, Liam, as well? Oh, unbelievably so. Yeah. You know, no matter what would happen, you will protect that baby or that child. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's the priority. Everything else goes out of your mind. You have the responsibility of that little baby in your arms or that child. Yeah, absolutely. Were, were you ready for that, Liam? Th- those feelings that you're describing to me, are, did it come to you as a bit of a, a bit of a shock? <sighs> no, it never even crossed my mind that, that, that the way, that's the way I would react. No. Yeah. No. And even now, you go into a shop or going anywhere and you see a, a child maybe creating a bit of a tantrum and roaring and screaming and not getting in their own way, particularly at particularly now maybe at a checkout they want chocolate or sweets or something. And uh, before before I became a grandfather, I, I'd be saying, God, that mother is not looking after, that father's not looking after that child. Now I would say to myself, look, there's a reason that child is saying that, you know. So you your know. tolerance level is, is oh, much higher, obviously. Unbelievably. Yes. Unbelievably. So, yeah. The the youngsters, they're getting a very bad press as well that they're completely spoiled and uh, the like, Liam, and often indeed spoiled by grandparents. Um, <laughs> what, what, discuss, please. <laughs> do you do a bit of spoiling? Yeah, I'm guilty. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would say I'm a bit... and I don't know whether my, my grand or my, my son or daughter are listening now, they could be... Um, I think at times they get too much in terms of toys and all that. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit... Uh, that that. I think there's too much there. Yeah, I do. You know, but that's their choice. Yes. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, last year I got a big cardboard box where the two, the two, the two of the young children, one the oldest will be four now in February, and put a few holes in and we... And to this day they still play in that big box, you know. Just a simple box. Big, big box, yeah, and uh, paint a few things on and let them paint a few things on. It's their box, and it's it's a thing they'll remember, you know. Uh, at the end of the day, kids are no different than, than they always are, really. It's, it's simple play, I suppose, if you... Yes, I think so, yeah. Especially yeah. if you get involved with them, Liam, I suppose. Oh, unbelievably so. I mean, uh, I, I, I play this make-believe with them, and they've great imaginations, you know. I mean, I'm I'm playing dolls and going to the doctor and getting the injection in the dolls. And the little one, she throws the, 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 one of the dolls on the ground and says, Grandad, or, or then she calls me doctor, look after the child. And it's lovely, you know. I mean, I'll have that today, you know, because I'm going over to babysit today. And I'll have that today, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
And you're looking forward to babysitting, aren't you? I am, but it's tiring as well, though. (laughs) I'm sure it is. (laughs) When I come home after babysitting, I come into the house, I get a cup of coffee, and after one mouthful, I'm asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And that's regular. That just happens. You're exhausted. (laughs) Yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah. 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 But you wouldn't change it for the world, I guess. Oh, absolutely not. Oh, no. Yeah, no, that's amazing. No, no. Well, Liam, it was lovely to talk to you today, and your you, your powers of description are gorgeous. Thank you so much for talking to me, Liam. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, Thanks, just before pleasure. I let you go, Christmas. Have you plans made for them or uh, to make the decision which place to go to? You know, oh, God. <laughs> that's a, that's a big question. Yes, yeah, I <laughs> can is. imagine. I can imagine. Well, we won't get you into trouble by deciding that on air, Liam. We'll... No, no, don't. No. <laughs> okay. Look after yourself, Liam. Thank God you, and good time. morning to you. Bye bye to you now. That's uh, Liam there. Let's go uh, to a great friend of mine and a lady who's been on the radio quite a bit. Uh, Mary Lynch is with me. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And lovely to talk to you, Mary. You're another grandmother, Mary. Um, yes, do, do you I go, have. Do you uh, go along with what Liam is saying there? <laughs> I do. I go along uh, along with a lot of it. But I have 10 grandchildren. Wow. Uh, come, yes, and the eldest girl is 18. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> there's after being a lot of... Uh, Kisses and cuddles and all that, all all those years. Yeah. And as each one of them come along, you know, when that girl was born, uh, we'll say the baby before her uh, didn't uh, didn't survive. Now that's a, a different story altogether. That was at twenty three weeks oh pregnant, her man. But mm. when this girl was born, she was actually very sick, so she went down the neonatal for for a month, and we thought we'd never get to hold her. So I used to go down. And I would stay looking in and the, and the incubator at her and that. And then one night the nurse said to me, would I like to hold her? And uh, while her mum was having a shower, and she, she brought her out with the tubes on and I held her up against my chest. Now, what, what was that like, Mary? Oh, my God, friend. I was, uh, my heart was pounding in case anything, that anything would go wrong with her. But yet to hold her there and yet lost tubes. And now I often talk to her about it. And it was just wonderful. So when she came home then, um, it was great feeling. But then the rest of them started coming on. And after that, and during that time, I thought, you know, you'd have that bond with them, and could you bond with any other baby? Yes. But as each of them came along, you you bond with them all, and they all, they're all different in, the, in, in different ways. And then as they get older, it's just um, like when, when they start going to school, and they come home and tell you stories and you're listening there and their eyes are hopping out their heads telling you a different story or coming home from a match, win, lose, or draw. <laughs> you you <laughs> get one, all the detail. There's one, there's one lad in particular, like, you know, when he goes into all the details <laughs> of all the, <laughs> of, <laughs> of what, he, what he can do and what he didn't do, you know. Yes, but, but you're then, listening um, intently to them, yeah. Oh, my God, yes, yeah. yeah. And then uh, last year, uh, during COVID, was the last year and the year before, there were two babies born. So that was very hard. I found that very hard because, Naturally, you know, if I couldn't go and hold the baby straight course, away. Yeah. And then the, when I held her, I had a mask on, and that that was hard. But now it, it's back to norm, normal again, and it's the smile, when they smile at you, and then you, when, you, when you hold them then, and they always seem to be so warm and cuddly, you know, and they look up at you and they ask you for something, and if, if it's something that you need to say no, <laughs> that's, that's hard as well, because... 
you, you, you don't like saying no, but yet on the other hand, you have to say no to a lot of things. Of course you but have. But it's to just do, yeah. the joy, the joy. And as I like that man now, I'm on my own as well, that last speaker you had. Liam, I'm yeah. on my own. And yeah. just when they come in and, they, oh, my God, it's just, I don't know, it's very hard to explain it. It's just a wonderful feeling. And uh, Mary, because it's all ahead of me, will you tell me, is it different <laughs> to the love you feel for the kids, for your own kids? Is is that different? Well, um, yes, I suppose different. Um, I don't know, I think, um, well, certainly I would have, you, I suppose every, every, every parent with their first, their own first child, you might be a bit nervous. Well, yes. you're not as quite as nervous because... Not your own, but yes, it's a different feeling. Yes. It's very hard to explain that, friend. Yeah, you know, it's very hard to explain that. Um, I suppose if we, the next generation is coming on, and like you'd often say, I'd often say, now my youngest girl, I'd say, oh, he is, if I was introducing her to someone, I'd say, oh, he is my baby. But like when your babies are having babies, you know? I know, of course <laughs> it is. Liam, Liam, Liam made a very interesting point, and, and Jody did yesterday as well, Mary, and I'm wondering about your opinion on it. I mean, you're a fine, sprightly, healthy woman, and I see you dancing, flying around the place. Oh. But does, does it give you another incentive to, to continue with a healthy life? Because of them, if you know what I mean. Oh, de- oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And like, as your last speaker said there, like, I mean, you nearly want to stay the age you are now. He's in his seventies. I'm in my seventies. And like, you nearly want to stay at that stage, which of course is impossible. You know, you don't even want to think about uh, years to come uh, down the road. And maybe you're not in the same situation now. I'm. I'm very lucky to have very good health. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, so, like, it's hard. You don't even want to think about anything like that because you want to be, <laughs> you just really want to be there for them all the time. Now, as I say, the eldest girl is 18 and the youngest is only seven months. So, like, in between all of them, as I say, they're all of different, different national, of different yes. lives, different different feelings with you, different, you know, it's different. But you, the love is there all the time, the, the excitement. You know. Yes, and and do you see the same traits coming out in them as you witnessed in your own kids? Do you see that quite often? You know, I suppose a lot of it. Yeah. Yes, a lot of it now, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, there's one little boy now, and uh, my sisters were up there for the weekend with me, and when they saw him, they said, oh, my God, he's the very same as his dad when his dad was young. You know, and it's lovely to hear that also. Yes, I suppose, yeah. You know, it is, it is, yeah. But now, having said that, friend, I don't hear them saying they're... You don't what, Mary? There's, there's a, I don't hear any of them saying there's a bit of resemblance of me in any of them. <laughs> I'm sure they are, Mary. I'm sure. They, but with ten of them, Mary, I mean, the only negative I can think of is it must be very, it must be very costly with birthdays and Christmas and all of well, these now, things, is it? Well, you see, I, I actually now, friend, I made the, I had to do the thing when I'm on my own. I just couldn't go overboard with any of them, and they know that, and they make sure that I don't go. I, I kind of even it out between them all. Yeah. And no matter what I give them, you know, he could be whether some of them are some of them are Kildang and another little fella is is gorgeous. And whether you give them something with anything like that, they just they just love that. Yeah. They, you know, I mean, I must say now that they, they do appreciate any of the little things that you give them. You know, so yeah. you just couldn't not pretend. And when you're living on your own, you just couldn't. You know. Right. But you couldn't go, no, you of couldn't course, go Of course you yeah, couldn't. Yeah, but no, no, not at all, friend. And, no. and when you look after them, Mary, as I'm sure you do from time to time, do you, is that a load for you or is it something you look forward to? Oh, I look forward to it, friend. Do I yes. do, I do look forward. And if they're staying overnight, 
Oh, right. Oh, Lord, is it? <laughs> now, the bed, their, their own bedtimes are, are gone out the window, of course. Of course it is. Of course <laughs> They're being with me, yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's okay also. But like Liam, oh, yeah. are, are you always concerned about them, though, that something might happen, you know, when oh, in your yes. care? You would, yeah. you would. And if they were sick or anything like that, you would be. Mm. Even even something like a little rash or anything like that would come out yeah. with Oh, my God, you would be, friend. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you feel as if you could do something, but there's nothing you can do. Right. You know, and if you're... If you're taking care of them then with a cough or cold, if they weren't able to go to school, like, you know, you're just making sure that they're cuddled up in the couch and, you know, looked after and that, you know, which is, that is a great feeling as well for any grandparent to have, you know. Yeah. But um, I it. suppose um, yeah. if you, if like for me, it's great to say, it's for me to grand to say that now because I have very good health. Yes, but, I know. You know, yeah. you know, when I do, you just feel sorry for any grandparents are not able to do it if they're having good health, you know. But I'm sure they'd have the very same feelings for their, their grandkids. Yeah, because and, and that advice from the chief medical officer to you know to not take care of the kids because of the respiratory uh, illnesses, the RSV thing that's out there. Does that concern you, Mary, or will you continue to look after the? Children? Well, uh, you know, Fran, as I say, I have very good health. It doesn't concern me yeah. personally because I have very good health. Um, I can understand this. I suppose if um, somebody doesn't have good health, and if you know if they're nervous, then that the child will pass something on. But um, I wouldn't have my personal, you know, I wouldn't have any problem with that uh, myself, mm. you know. All right, Mary. Mm, um, you, mm, you, mm. you you had a dance the other night for, for Motor Neuron, didn't you? Oh, I did. How, how did that go for you, Mary? You know, friend, it went great. Good, it was a great good. night. I'm delighted. Yes, yes. Yeah. And we had a great night, you know, and all well, and uh, everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. And, uh, yeah, great turnout and great help and all that. So it was great. My, as I say, my three sisters got up from Cork. Hmm. Uh, as well, so they enjoyed it also. Yeah. Well, I'm delighted yes. to hear it. So, Mary, yes. look after yourself, enjoy okay, your grandchildren, friend, and, and thank yes. you. Thank you, Thanks, friend, Mary, yes, thank I you. I hope you'll be in Lena sometime soon, friend. We look forward to it. I think we're yes. coming up on, on Friday, Mary. We'll be broadcasting oh. the show live on Friday from... Oh, from yeah, so. I'll pop in to say hello look, then, I so hope friend. you will. <laughs> I look forward to it, Mary. Uh, okay, friend. Take thank care you of yourself. So Bye-bye, Doge. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye That's uh, Mary Lynch uh, speaking to us there. Uh, 1800-938-007. Now, lots coming in about grandchildren, and we'll put it together, and I'll uh, bring you some of that text and WhatsApp in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, one of our listeners on to say, my parents loved all of their grandkids and great grandkids uh, the same, but this year it's the first Christmas without Nanny and uh, we're all going to find it very, very hard indeed. Well, condolences uh, to you. I'm sure you will find it uh, very difficult. The man sounds like a wonderful granddad. That's making reference to Liam. His grandchildren are very lucky to have him, says one of our listeners. Somebody else saying grandchildren give you a second chance to see kids growing up. Um, another listener, love for grandchildren is on another level altogether, Fran. I have only one at the moment and she's in Australia and that's very hard. Ah, oh, it must be. It must be indeed. I can imagine though when you finally get to uh, meet up, it will be a wonderful indeed. Uh, we have three beautiful grandchildren, Amelia, six, and brothers Caden, 20 months, and Oliver, eight months, and there are sun, moon and stars. 
and there's nothing we wouldn't do for them, says Anne-Marie, who's tuned our way this morning as well. Uh, OK, lots more coming in. I'll have a look at it in uh, just a moment. Let's continue the conversation, though, because Pat is with me now. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Pat, and uh, great to talk to you today. Before I get into the detail, Pat, do you go along with Mary and Liam that it's a, a very special bond? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a granddad uh, for the last eight years now. And uh, our grandchild is, is, is just the treasure of our life. Um, I could I could empathise exactly with what Liam and Mary said. Um, uh, Liam especially, because he was very colourful as a girl, uh, explaining about his grandchildren. And uh, we're in the same boat. You know, it's it's not the same as having your own kids. Not, not anything against our own children that we had. But the fact is that I wasn't around. I was working. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't see him go to school or, or whatever the case. We are collecting him from school. Now we collect the grandchild. And uh, on, on, on a few days during the week, it is just uh, a beautiful feeling to be able to see him coming out from school and with such joy in his face and he meets you, you know, and he pops into the car and explains what happened during the day. You know, they're all little quirks and things that you love to hear, you know. Yeah, that's most interesting, Pat, the point you're making there, that you probably have more time in your hands uh, available to you now to enjoy kids than, as you say, when you're trying to pay a mortgage and bring in a few bob and all of that. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. I could see what, what what Mary was saying as well is that the, the fact is that that you have more time now, and, yeah. and uh, you, you just you just love looking at them, you know. Uh, even as part of what the the HSE were saying is that that uh, to cocoon our, our our grandparents away from our children is is <laughs> I'd get out of my deathbed to meet my grandchild, you know that kind of thing. So you won't be going along with the advice from the chief medical officer either. Uh, no, I, I to be honest with you. Um, Look, this this virus has been going on since 1956. It was discovered in 1956 as, a, as a, from a chimpanzee. Uh, it was known as the, the chimpanzee, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the man- yes. And yes. then subsequently in the 60s, it was decided, uh, diagnosed as the RSV, the respiratory essential uh, virus. Yes. And, and we all got flus uh, during, and, and I mean bad flus, bad chest infections. And we all say, oh, what have we got? Oh, we got bad chest infection, whatever it is, you know. Now, I take the, the flu injection mm. every year. I've been mm. taking it since, since I was 60. And now, 70, so 10 years I've been taking the flu injection. And I find that, okay, you might get a bit of a, a dose of flu, but that's it. It's just a two-day thing, and that's it in the story. Right. And that wouldn't stop me. Uh, the threat of this RSV going around has been going around since the 60s. So and it, it won't stop me. It, from it won't stop you, even though it seems to be a bit more prevalent now. But, but you know, you're, you're weighing things up, and and I guess you're you're in pretty good health, uh, Pat. Are you? I well, I have diabetes. That's, that's but the only thing I have. Yeah. I don't have anything. Uh, I don't. I never. Well, I just smoke, but I don't smoke now. Now for yes. thirty years, and uh, so like I, I have no problem with my lungs or heart, and um, I'm probably one of the lucky ones in that sense. You know. D- did I, COVID mean that you couldn't see your grandchild as often? Or? Oh. So this is it during COVID. Uh, it was awful, you know. Um, I remember during the lockdowns there, we couldn't see, and they, they used to come over to the to the outside the house, and uh, because we were, I was being protected, but we didn't know at the time this was a total, strange alien virus that came into the country. We just didn't know the output, the output, the output. and they used to come over to the yard and just look in the window at us, oh, you know, solution or whatever the case may be. It must have been heartbreaking, was it? Sorry? That must have been heartbreaking, Pat. That you could... That's heartbreaking. It yeah. was. And, and, and what they used to do then is, is, is the lads used to go to do a bit of shopping for us. Yes. And we just didn't know what was happening. Um, and afraid to go out. Fear. You know? Um, 
So like, and and the fear was was in, built into us as regards people dying, and and and, and it was a, a very bad virus. Don't mm. get me wrong, we didn't uh, look loosely at it. This was a very very serious virus, and uh, and as you go over and do the shopping, cause bring the shopping, just drop it outside the door, or whatever the case may be, and you look at the grandchild in, and he was maybe ten, fifteen feet away from you, and how your granddad, how your nanny. And, and saluting, you know, and just all you want to do is just hold him. And do you, you know? resent that time, Pat? I do. I look at. I resent the fact that the virus came in, but I have great faith in, in the, the, the medical, the clinicians. I have great faith in the, the scientists. Mm. Look at what they've done. Um, I've got uh, four vaccines, five vaccines. Sorry, five vaccines uh, totally since, since this thing happened. Yes, I got the the, the COVID in, in last July, and it was only. A three-day event. That's all it was. I just, I didn't even feel that. It's just when I tested myself with a sore throat, but the sore throat was something else. Um, um, what do you call it? I was at a wedding and I was talking loud over a band. Yeah. Very, very loud people, musicians. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, I just had a sore throat from the band, and I thought that's what it was. But I just done a test, and suddenly I, 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 I COVID. But I, I didn't feel anything. I was hibernated for seven days, and, right. and uh, everything was okay, perfect. I'm glad to hear it. I'm learning an awful lot about this special bond with grandchildren, Pat, because as I was saying to Mary, it's all ahead of me yet. So it's, uh, but it's, uh, did it take you by surprise, Pat? I asked the others that, that feeling. That unique bond, uh, I'll put this with you. It does. Um, I know when my first child was born uh, and then my second child was born, you have a bond with your own mm-hmm. children. Yes. It's the kind of a thing that you, you look, you're in the, 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 the state of procreation. And you expect this to go on, and okay, you love them, God Almighty, love them. Mm. But uh, you, 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 you go off in, as you said, then you have a mortgage to pay, you have mm. uh, food to put on the table, whatever the case may be. So you're busy working. You don't see him growing up as much as you would see a grandchild growing up. Yes. But when you, uh, the grandchild comes along, then there's a different type of of bond. You, 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 you have the child, and you see the child, and you're a lot more time with them. You see him when they're. At the different stages, from the time they're on the cot to the time they're beginning their first steps, to the time they're in the crawler, to the time you know that they're growing up in the first day at school, you're through all that. It's a totally new world to see it. Well, Pat, like the others, you describe it very well indeed. And enjoy yourself, Pat, uh, with them. I'm sure Christmas will be a special time. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you. You're welcome, Thank Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Pat speaking to us there about his grandchild. And uh, Anne joins me now. Anne, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. God bless us, Anne. You have 20 grandchildren. That's all, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My God. How do you manage it, Anne? I had eight eight kids myself, you see, so right. it was easy to make make up the, <laughs> <laughs> make it up to twenty. You know, um yeah, I just listened to Pat there. Yeah, and um, how how do you feel about what you've heard so far? I mean, does it all oh, chime in with what you believe yourself, what oh, you feel yeah. yourself? Oh yeah. my god, yeah. I have one here at the moment now, she's out there in the kitchen and, and she she radiates you know, love around the kitchen. Unreal. What, what age is she at? She's only three. Ah, oh, Lord. Yeah. You no, know, I can remember the eldest grandson, and we have to, we have to, we have to really look at, be with them, because I remember him <clears throat> here in the house at three and four, two, three and four years of age, and he was the uh, so beautiful, and now he's twenty-seven. You know, so they go up very fast. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, don't you know? I know. And, and it does yeah. it differ completely. And now you must have had your hands full yourself with eight kids. But does it differ completely yeah. from your own kids and that feeling of love? Is it a different it's, kind of a thing? It's a different love, yeah. And all it is a different bond you'd have with the mark together. But at the same, you know, I mean, I had four under three years of age myself. Oh, God. Right. I had twins and two others together. So it was like wearing quads. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but just, I can't, the, the grandkids are totally, you know. You see, you're not, I think the thing is, you're not responsible for them, but yet you have their love. Yes, yes, and you, you can know. give them back. <laughs> and you can give it back in, you can give it back in spades because, because, you know, they're not all here at one time, so, you know, you don't have to make more of one than the other or make sure you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can, yeah, all yeah. Is, is, is that a bit of a difficulty, and that you might have favourites, but obviously you have to keep it to yourself? Is that a no, no, friend? We've be careful now, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> be very careful. There, now. Might, there might be a row in the house for Christmas, and we oh, better be very careful. I mightn't get a thing for Christmas. <laughs> and speak, speaking of which, yeah. what what about Christmas? Twenty grandchildren, and to, yeah. how, how do you manage that? Like with birthdays and. Oh, I don't. I don't do birthdays. Do you not? Okay. Good no, Good I one. send a text <laughs> on on Daddy or Mammy's phone, or if the if the if there's a few teenagers there, I send them one. No, geez, you could, you know. Yeah, of course. But, uh, Christmas is different then. Yeah. It's only once a year. I said to myself, so here we go. Right. That's an extraordinary. You know, I always, I, I never buy ties because right. I feel right. Santa is there, and other people are there, so I just get something for them to wear. Like you know, that's why. I know, yeah. but but, yeah. but still, but they're all special to you, I guess. It's lovely because Christmas morning they decide oh. they're all going to come here and. Oh, do <laughs> they? They'll they'll come they, and see you on Christmas morning. They come here Christmas morning, and all the presents are around the tree. Not just not just my ones for them, but they they bring their oh, as well for everyone lovely. else. And they there's one of them appointed then to deliver out presents, you know, and you see all the grandkids then enjoying everything. Good. Brilliant, like. It must that's be gorgeous. Well, Anne, thank oh, yeah. you so yeah. much for coming on with me yeah. today. Twenty grandchilden. That's that's yeah, just amazing, Anne. Just I amazing. love every one of them. That's of all you can do with that. Yeah. Of course. Do you your do. best. Yeah. Look after yeah. yourself, Anne, and, and thank, thank you very you. much, Dean. Happy Christmas to you. Thank you. Bye bye. You now that's uh, Anne speaking to us today. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie We hear about all the evils of technology and how technology is ruining the world and all of that sort of thing. But then every so often you hear about an idea that you think is just fantastic. And I think this is just brilliant. Technology evolving almost every day. And we're all familiar, I think, with the use of QR codes. But how would you feel about a QR code on headstones in graveyards? Now, it's an incredible concept. And uh, one of the people behind it is Judy Russell, who joins me now. Judy, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. And thank you so much for coming on with us today. Will you just give us um, just an overview of what this is about, Judy? Sure. So I suppose there's three aspects to it. It's firstly capturing stories of older people. And then it is storing those stories through text, images, audio recordings or video on a web page. 
and then it's sharing that web page through a QR code that you can attach to anything really an urn a gravestone a bench whatever you like or whatever way that you'd like to kind of share it so that's kind of the three main parts of it So if you go and you see a headstone it could be a relative or a friend or whatever or maybe it might be a historical figure you you, you put your camera there you take the QR code and that gives you access to all of this Exactly. So it will bring you to a web page which gives you kind of the story of the person's life, however way they want to tell it. Now, it's interesting because, like, I suppose there's two different groups. There's there's people who are still alive. So my mum has created her own page with my help. Um, I'm kind of managing her page and helping her do it. Is, the, is that create- Mary? I saw Mary on, yeah. on, on Nationwide, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's her. Oh, she's, she's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> She's getting so many texts and she's loving it. So I'm delighted um, that she's so happy about this. But also, do you know what's interesting, Fran? I realise that my mum is quite unique in how extroverted and outgoing she is and comfortable on camera and stuff. And not everyone is like that. So, you know, audio recordings, some older people would be more comfortable with that without having the camera in their face. And then other ones, maybe you just transcribe an audio recording and actually just turn it into text. So I want to make sure that it's very, very... personalised to whichever person is kind of making their story. Right, and everybody, of course, is different and unique and all of that. But you help to curate the info, I suppose, Judy. Would that would that sum it up? That's it. That's yeah. the part that we're really, like, you know, kind of focusing on at the moment is how do you tell a life story in a concise enough way but also getting the person's information across. But, you know, what's really interesting is that I, I like, wanted to make video legacies that's what I was calling it like eight years ago hmm. and uh, I filmed my mum and I asked her the same questions that I asked her recently for her current page and I'm just so shocked that her answers haven't changed a lot a lot of the same messages she wants to share her life story hasn't changed that's the same but like a lot of the advice that she'd give people like that hasn't changed over eight years and I think that's a really interesting and cool part of it is like we we are all carrying around a narrative in our heads that helps us to make sense of the world. And in fact, your mum came up with a lovely phrase for it. She calls it a sacred history, which I thought was beautiful, you know? Yeah, and she, you know, now my mum studied counselling, so she did addiction ah, counselling. Right, and okay. she became very good at, um, at wording things and explaining things to me when I was younger, actually, that helped me to make sense of things, yeah. Very good indeed. How would it work in, in a practical way? I mean, will it be one of the services that an undertaker would offer, for example, Judy? Well, we haven't figured that out yet, but like our, we're, we're, how we're trying to go to, to it is, is target people like my age who have adult parents. So targeting the digital natives, the people who grew up with the technology, who aren't afraid of, of web pages and video and stuff like that. So we want to target them so that they can create the page. But we're definitely looking into the undertaker kind of avenue because that's when people are starting to think about their mm. death a lot more. And I know it's, it's, it's a weird thing to talk about because I think, you know, in our society, we, we don't really talk about it. But I think it's becoming more of a thing that people are OK with sharing and speaking of nowadays. I yes. don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's more... Um, I I think it's quite a mix, but funny enough, this fits in extremely well with the conversation we've been having since nine o'clock, where we've been talking to grand uh, parents about that special bond with grandchildren. But I'm just thinking about the wonderful gift it would be to have access to the thoughts, the innermost thoughts of of a grandparent. I mean, for you to look back on, wouldn't that be just gorgeous? 
I know because you know we, we have their birth dates we have the date that they got married yeah. we have you know all the factual information but like I for me anyway it's, it's when the video part now not everyone's going to want to do video as I said but like seeing someone's face facial expressions and hearing their voice and all of that stuff I just I'm fascinated by I just think it's just such an as you said at the start like technology can be negative but yes. there can be so much positive from it as well if used correctly Absolutely Now if there's a QR code on a headstone will every Everybody have access to that or is it limited in some way, Judy? That's another part of it, actually, that we're working on at the moment. So, you know, like I, what we're thinking is that the public page, if people should choose to make their page public, might be a limited version of the, um, the, the full page. So they might be able to make some of the information private that's password protected, but then they could have a public version that anyone could scan that they're happy to share that information. Because, you know, some families are very private and, mm. you know, like we're not trying to force people to share everything about themselves either. And, and again, this isn't forced, you know, this is a choice. If someone wants to do it, they can. If they don't want to do it, there's there's, there's no one making them Mm. do it. I love the idea of public access, though, in a way, because I'm a little strange, I have to say, Judy, and I'm fascinated with graveyards. And I often look at graves, and I'd love to know the story, if you know what I mean, you know? And someone said that recently as well. They said that, like, every time they go into a graveyard, they feel like it's really empty. I love the idea that this kind of, you know, fills up that space a little bit more with information about about people that are in there because, like, everyone's life is so important, you know, mm. and I, I really want to emphasise that through this. We do. Absolutely. Um, if, if, are, at what stage are you at at uh, the moment with this startup? I mean, are you up and running, Judy? We are manually doing everything. So yes. anytime someone wants to create a profile, we are working through it with them through email and then we're populating the page in the back end of the website ourselves. So what we're hoping for is to get investment so that we can automate this and create a platform that people can go on to learning all the lessons that we've learned over the past kind of year and kind of putting that into this automated service that is also personalised and nice to use. I think that's the most important thing. There's so many websites out there that aren't nice to use and, and I love those websites that are an enjoyable experience. I hope to make this enjoyable for people. Uh, the company is called The Story Of, is that right? Yes. yes. That's it, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Nationwide and, and they have a huge viewership. Um, I, I presume you got a big reaction to this. We did, we did. I, like, have not had a proper night's sleep um, at all since last week, actually, since I went into Nationwide to view the preview, and I just couldn't believe how well they told the story and how much care they took with the telling of it. And it it looked beautiful, really beautiful, yeah. gorgeous, wasn't it? Colin Flynn is an amazing reporter. And Owen Ryan in Nationwide was was just amazing to deal with. So when I first viewed it, I was actually, like, totally emotional, obviously, until my part came on, and then I just didn't (laughs) want to look anymore. But (laughs) at the start, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. It's so... Like, you know, when you think of something for so long and you harp on it to everyone and and then one day then you're you're in RTE looking at it on a television and you're just like I can't believe this is happening. But are you surprised at people's reaction because a lot of stuff comes by my desk and you know I mean I I try and have respect for whatever comes in and stuff but you you generally push stuff aside and you move on but this really has grabbed my attention. I think this is going to be huge. Amazing. I hope so. And like, I'm I'm shocked by the amount of people who are getting in touch. I I never expected this amount of overwhelming success. 
success of this story. You know, I've had my own business for years and I've constantly been trying to push it and no one cares. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but this, I, I knew that this was special. I always knew that this was special. I always knew when I, like, you know, living with my mother um, all those years and, and listening to her stories, like, I just, I, I, I knew that we had to capture it. And what a, what a moment in time as we're carrying around filmmaking devices to be able to, you know, use this technology to do this. Yes, and, and use it in a very positive way as well. Also, I mean, you know, everybody around the world dies, so I would see a global opportunity here as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping for, you know, like everywhere. Like, why can't everyone avail of this? And I love the name, the story of, because once you reserve your domain name, it becomes the story of Mary Russell is yeah. my mother's page. Yeah. So it, it could be the story of anything. On You know, one of the other founders was saying, like, it could be the story of Tip FM and a QR code could be outside Tip FM and you could, you know, what scan the QR code idea. and learn about yeah. the history. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that this keeps me busy for many, many years. <laughs> you know, I think it will indeed. If people are interested, uh, can they talk to you, Judy, or how would, can they email you or something like that? Yeah, if they go to thestoryof.io, they can actually register their domain name for free. So if they want to just like reserve um, the story of Bran Curry or whatever and uh, and just hold that there until you're ready to create a page. And then we should be more ready as well with an automated version of the website. But we can create a page for you today. It's just uh, it's just a bit time consuming, but it's, it's well worth it because we learn an awful lot of lessons as we do it as well. Of course you do indeed. And just to point people uh, to the website as well, because um, Nation might have that up. If people want to just have a look back on that, I would highly recommend it indeed. Judy, it was a delight. I think it's a great idea and congratulations to you and your team there. Thanks for talking to me, Judy. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That's Judy Russell there. And um, her mum is gorgeous, by the way. Mary Russell. She's featured on the uh, Nationwide piece as well. And uh, the company's called The Story Of. Do you think it's a good idea? 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Now, we were speaking about those QR codes on headstones uh, just before 10 and uh, David was wondering about cost. David is in Thurles. Hello, David. Um, my understanding is, is that it's it's a difficult one because it depends on how much information you want contained in the code. Now, it might be something very simple you want there, or it might be something rather extensive, inclusive of a video and uh, photographs and all of that kind of thing. So I think it depends on what it is uh, you want. Going back to the story of grandparents and uh, that special bond with grandchildren, Nanny B was on to us and Nanny B says I have three beautiful grandchildren Lewis is uh, 16 Maya is 13 and William is 9 months and I love them all dearly Jimbo was on to say totally agree with Liam about grandkids but did anybody ever think that you could love somebody more than your own kids if that's possible also got told off a few times Dad you never let us do that in our day uh, look, we just love them to the moon and back and we love their little spakes that they come up with, says Jimbo. Thanks for a lovely, lovely WhatsApp there, Jimbo. Thank you for that. 83 311 Now, it's been a tough week, God knows, for the friends and family of Vicky Phelan, who sadly passed away uh, last week at the age of 48. Well, John Wall is a frequent contributor to the show and was a close friend of Vicky's and he joins me now. John, good morning to you. 
And a very good morning to you. And good to talk to you today, and uh, great yeah. to have you on as always, John. It, it, but I mean, I know it was expected, but did it come as a shock to you in the end when Vicky passed? You know, it, it did. Um, I've been uh, obviously friends with, with Vicky for quite some time, and very good friends at that. And um, I'd been in and out during the hospice um, <clears throat> at least once a week for the for the last uh, several weeks. And uh, you know, it was we knew that. Um, it was going to be very difficult to bounce back from from uh, from this, and uh, as federal cervical check uh, campaigner Lorraine Walsh described her recently as a boomerang, we just expected her to keep coming back. But knowing in our hearts and souls this time it wasn't going to happen, and when it didn't happen, there was uh, it was difficult. It was difficult to to come to terms with that, um, and still is because Vicky was Vicky. Uh, Vicky did you know obviously she she did so much despite her own uh, struggles in life and uh, but this was to be this was to be her final journey and uh, she wanted a a peaceful passing is all she wanted uh, you know surrounded by family and friends and and um, she got her final wish and uh, that's uh, of some solace and uh, something that well certainly I personally am very grateful that the, that her wish was granted in that regard it's something she thoroughly deserved. The newspapers the following day, I've rarely seen such an outpouring. I mean, front page news on every single newspaper, yeah. top of the agenda on every single radio and TV programme as well, John, uh, paying tribute to uh, her wonderful life, I suppose. Yeah, Vicky was a, an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. And she touched um, the hearts of a nation. She really did. Whether people knew Vicky or whether people met Vicky or not, if they felt as if they knew her. Uh, she told her story very candidly, very honestly. And by doing so, uh, and the, the stance she took in relation to the um, the confidentiality agreement when she uh, stepped, I was on the steps of the High Court back in 2018, I think people people respected that greatly. It she was, refused uh, to sign that, didn't she? That's right, yeah. Mm. She refused to sign. Uh, she was um, very passionate about accountability and transparency. And, you know, she, she just resonated with, with every person in the country and far beyond. Um, her story was told with, um, I suppose, in a language that everyone could just connect to. It was, uh, she was one of us. And there, was no, there were no heirs and graces. Um, and this, similarly with her friendship, uh, Fran, it was uh, the most extraordinary thing. Uh, I only met Vicky just under four years ago and uh, just connected and when you connect with someone at that level it is uh, the most wonderful experience and uh, that's why I'd say to people cherish cherish those people in your life that uh, that mean the most to you and savour those moments because they may not be around forever and those moments were savoured fantastic memories for each and every one of us and uh, that's what we carry forward The dynamic of that friendship considering that you're on your own journey with uh, cancer, just to remind people with stage 4 prostate cancer, John, did that give it a different sort of a relationship because you probably knew extremely well what Kinder she was spirits, going through. Yeah. Kinder spirits. Yeah. Um, we had an understanding of where each other were at. We both at that stage had a, a terminal uh, diagnosis and um, it gives you a different perspective on life. It gives you a different perspective on people and the people in your life. And we just shared, um, I suppose, that element of our lives. There was an understanding without saying a lot um, what was going on in our own heads and how we looked forward 
how we looked beyond the horizon, how we lived our lives. Uh, she taught me a lot on uh, on how to live how to live mine, how to deal with grief, um, and that's uh, that's what she's uh, certainly helping me with now. Um, I mean, at the start of the program, you asked about um, just you know, can you believe you know that Vicky's actually gone? We expected it and all the rest of it. She's gone, but still very much part of my life and always will be. Uh, those memories will always form part of my life. I look at them uh, for the last uh, the last week or so. Uh, there's a lot of WhatsApps, there's a lot of messages and voice messages in particular that I've uh, just go back on and uh, they mean an awful lot. Um, they touch my heart then and they touch it now. It's been a bittersweet week because uh, the news from your oncologist, I mean, you're continuing, John, to defy expectations. Yeah, thank God. Um, and you know what? I, I knew going into this appointment, I knew in my heart and soul it was going to be okay. Um, did you? Why? I did, yeah, I did. I think um, Vicky has a lot to do with that. It's a surreal experience when you just know, you have a feeling in your own your own body, your own mind. And I think a lot of it for me is uh, as much about the mind as it is uh, how my body uh, is reacting to cancer. And um, I just knew I had this good feeling uh, all week that things would be okay. I didn't, unlike uh, previous uh, previous appointments, I go in every three months and every three months kind of waiting to hear that news that things are progressing and you just don't want to hear it. And uh, this time, I didn't feel a thing other than it's just an appointment. I know it's going to be fine. And I can't put that down to anything else other than Vicky in some way, shape or form just saying, you know what, things will be fine, and they will. Um, this appointment was, was <laughs> it was a very short and sweet conversation. Um, and that, that uh, I guess that description of a short and sweet com- conversation meant so much to me the other day because that's exactly what it was. The oncologist asked me, she had a look at the bloods and all the rest of it, and I said, how, how are you doing um, physically and mentally? Uh, she's a, a wonderful oncologist in the uh, University of uh, University of Limerick, and uh, I told her, for the first time, I feel good. I don't have anything to to moan about, to complain about. I feel really good. And she said, well, your bloods look really good as well. She said, you're continuing to defy expectations. And with a wry smile, I got up and said, thank you. Thank you. And just, uh, okay, great. Um, What more could you ask for? You know, and... and, um, it's a, it's a good place to I'm, be. In I'm a so delighted to hear that, John, because I, to be honest with you, I was concerned about how you would deal with Vicky's passing. Yeah, I, I, I still am concerned about it myself. I have, um, I guess there's an element of grief for a long time because I knew how Vicky was doing. Um, I've been part of that, that journey with her. And... Um, you know, there have been times over the last several months when, you know, I won't say I broke down, but certainly I, I was started to, to grieve of what might happen down the road. Um, and then the closer you get to that point, um, it's still, you know, very, very difficult to come to terms with. And I believe there's a lot, well, for me, there's a lot more grieving to do. And that's important um, for me to, to be able to express that grief. Um, I've tried a couple of times during the week. And uh, I want to cry more. I want to cry a lot more. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but I know, uh, I think after after Sunday, after Mooncoin, and uh, as lives attempt to get back to a, a new norm, or certainly a norm uh, without the presence, the physical presence of Vicky, um, I think, you know, there, there, will be, there will be difficult times ahead. But I've, I've great friends, and a lot of them, if not most of them, I've met through Vicky. There's a circle of us, and uh, we're very close. 
And uh, that's, that's what she did, not only to the people of Ireland, but to her own circle as well. She connected us. And it's through her, you know, we live our good lives. And uh, it's, a, it's a lovely thing to be able to say about a, about a remarkable woman. Um, it's been, a, it's been a, an absolute privilege and an honour to have had her in my life. And uh, I wouldn't change a thing. It's, uh, and what you're referring to in Moon Coin is the celebration of Vicky's life that's yes, happening yeah. there on, on Sunday, isn't that, uh, isn't that that's right? That's right. There's a, there's actually, while I have you there, there's a couple yeah. of, and your listeners indeed, there's a couple of important points to, to note there. Like, it's going to be busy. Um, of that, I think there is no doubt. So yeah. uh, there will be a, um, an update on Vicky's Tribe Facebook page. Uh, it'll be Thursday or Friday. Vis-a-vis a traffic management plan, uh, a media brief and a... Just a general update on the, the afternoon itself. Um, there's a lot of people uh, behind the scenes. I've been in Mooncoin myself over the last few days and will be over the next few. And uh, there's an awful lot of work. Um, the community are really coming together. Vicky uh, came from an incredible community. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gabby and John and uh, Lindsay and uh, Johnny and Lee, her brothers that uh, live locally, they're putting everything into this. And the community are rallying around and it's going to be a very, very, very special uh, afternoon. Patience required if there's yeah. a, a lot of people there. Um, but suffice it to say that everyone is doing their best to make it uh, exactly what Vicky had wanted. And she had talked about it quite a bit. So um, we knew um, we knew what she was looking for. And that's, uh, I think, what she's going to get. Very good. I know there, there will be a live stream on the day as yes, well. Yes, there will be a live stream. Right and that yeah. link will be posted um, actually yeah. on that. There's a, a meeting tonight just to... Uh, just to ensure that things uh, go all right in the day in that regard in terms of sound and, and uh, bandwidth for, for the live stream and all the rest of it. And um, and everybody's invited to that. I mean, it, it is it's a It's an open event, yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's an open event. And that's why I say patience required. There, are, there will be extensive traffic management plans in place, but everyone will get their chance um, over the course of the, uh, the uh, afternoon just to pay their respects. I mean, the, the, um, her, her portrait as well. Uh, will be in the community centre uh, for the afternoon. Uh, and that's a uh, portrait um, that was done by Vincent Devine, and I don't know if many people are aware of it. It's a, an extraordinary painting uh, that her, her good friend, Davy Brennan, bought. Um, she didn't know at the time he was going to buy it. It was up for auction, raising money for Heroes Aid uh, for frontline workers. And uh, it's an extraordinary painting that would be over in the uh, community centre as well. So it's an afternoon of there'll be some music in the church, chat and just to remember uh, the lady that was and the legacy that is. That sounds like a beautiful occasion indeed. I was reading in the examiner and again you you, you were brave enough to come out and say that you delayed seeing your doc John I and did, yeah. uh, you know you, you thought the early symptoms that, that happened to you were just age related in some way and that you know but your advice to men I know constantly is look after yourself. Don't take your good health for granted. We all do. I think most of us take it for granted, and especially men. We're not great at talking. And when it comes to our bodies, we're even far less uh, good, if that's even a word, at, uh, at talking uh, yeah. about our bodies. But, you know, we are who we are in terms of our bodies. We cannot live without good. We cannot live as we would like to without good health. So it's really important that we look after it. And if you notice any kind of change in your body, anything at all, the most important thing is that you don't keep it to yourself. There's always someone there and, you know, with his family, subsequent, subsequently talked to a GP. It's absolutely crucial. If I had gone to a GP and when I started to notice my symptoms, um, what happened to me would not have happened. 
It's simple as that. I just it was very aggressive. I let it go too long, and I ended up in a position where uh, it had gone to stage four terminal. Before really, I had an opportunity, or the medics had an opportunity to intervene and uh, successfully deal with it. It has been successfully dealt with in terms of my life has been prolonged, but that's all it has been. So that's dark, but that's that's a harsh reality that uh, with many cancers, as with many issues with our bodies, uh, and indeed minds, that's that's mm. important too, that when there's something there, if we deal with them at a, in, a, in a timely manner, if more effective means of, of dealing with it, you know, the, with the advancements in... In uh, medical technology, uh, with cancers, uh, certainly there's so much going on in terms of research at the moment that um, even for myself, I'm off treatment at the moment and I'm, I'm, I'm being very, very closely monitored, but it has given me a quality of life um, that I could only have dreamt of a few short years ago. And that's because I'm the, the, uh, my, my team are able to monitor me in the manner and fashion in which they are and it's allowing me to live the life at the moment that I uh, want to live. Um, I saw you on TV recently. I thought you were looking extremely well indeed, but you were talking about a subject that, again, I know that Vicky was in complete support of, and that's the consideration around the legislation for assisted uh, dying. You spoke very powerfully about that as well. And you you spoke about, you know, people like yourself, that fight to stay alive and prolong your life and all of that, but still that this should be in place for people who choose that. Yeah. What I said that night was... um, Assisted dying and dying with dignity, for me and people like me, it's actually about living. We, with every fibre of our being, as I said that night, we do whatever we can to prolong our lives to live. Vicky is the embodiment of everything that I'm talking about here in terms of how she prolonged her life, how she fought so hard to live as long as she could, to be there for her children and for her husband and for her family. And yet she passionately, passionately supported uh, assisted dying and dying with dignity. Because there comes a point in our lives uh, for people like us that um, it is the final chapter. Uh, fortunately, Vicky passed peacefully, but so many of us don't. And that's the key thing, that we get a, an opportunity to avoid suffering at the latter stages of our lives. And I think it's really important to say that um, even if it were successfully passed in this country, which I think it will in due course, um, that in order to get access to it, there's a lot of things have to happen. And just because you want it doesn't mean you will actually get it. You'd have to be signed off on medically. And uh, by two, um, in the one independent practitioners, there's a lot of, lot of things that have to be done to make it happen at that point in time. But I made a promise to Vicky a couple of weeks before she passed and it was about this. And I will continue to be that voice. Um, I was talking to um, her sister uh, the other evening about it. And she's passionate about it as well. And as are others, um, that would be prominent enough uh, in terms of, of patient advocacy. We are that voice. Uh, there's a commitment um, that there's going to be um, a special Oireachtas committee established was supposed to be before Christmas. There's no, no sign of it at all yet. There are commitments made. Uh, by government, and it's no longer good enough to talk about it, as Vicky has stated herself on so many occasions, that actions speak louder than words. words. And I understand it's a very difficult uh, discussion and debate for Ireland to have, but Ireland is ready for it. 
and if we have a respectful conversation between all vested parties, Would all interests. You object to some of the language around the debate when it involves do, yeah. suicide and suicide euthanasia and, and all yeah. of that. Yeah. I do. It's scaremongering um, and it, it creates a narrative that's simply untrue. Boil it back to, I'll speak first person, just myself. I'm a person with a terminal illness. Um, I'm going to die from cancer, with cancer. And that's absolutely fine. But until that point, I will do everything I can to stay alive for my family, for my friends, for me. So I don't want to die, but I know I'm going to. So to, to, to introduce words into that conversation for me, such as suicide and euthanasia, that's, it's an insult to people like me. It's, we're not, we don't want to die, but we are going to because of the illness that we have. So it's not suicide. It's choosing how you turn that final page, knowing that final page is going to be turned. It's just choosing how you how you turn it. And when Leo and, Bradker says then, John, that this is a complicated issue and we need to deal with it in a very careful manner, do you take that on board as well? I do. I, I, I think in fairness, uh, some politicians um, and some leaders have talked about it. They've, they've talked about it publicly, publicly which is a, a difficult thing to do. I mean, yeah. Leo is... A, is a, has a medical background, yeah. so he's fully aware of um, of what's being discussed. And, uh, I, yeah, I think that the intent is good, but as with everything else, intent to talk is not talking. It's not meaningful in any way, shape, or form. The, the Special Oireachtas Committee must be established. We must start having a reasonable, responsible discussion at national level, at Oireachtas level, about an issue. It has been voted in in the Doyle. It was passed we're legislated, legislatively bound to have this conversation. And that doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to lead immediately to a, a referendum or anything like it, but it's the start of a process. And the sooner that process starts, the sooner in some way, shape or form, we can bring it to a conclusion. And obviously the conclusion that I would like is to see a responsible introduction of a process where those of us that are in positions such as myself, and I stress with the terminal illness, not open-ended at the moment, strictly with the terminal illness, that we just have an option as to how we turn that final page, knowing it's going to be turned one way or the other. Um, language used is absolutely critical, and I think that's important to help people understand as well. It's a very difficult discussion. It's a very emotive uh, topic for many, and that um, that must be incorporated into, into the wider conversation as well, just to help us understand, and to help me understand too, for people that disagree and that are vehemently opposed. Absolutely. But in so doing, the language used must be correct and respectful to uh, to all sides. John, it's always a delight to talk to you. And, and uh, thank you. So you always make yourself available to us. And thank you so much for that, John. And we My wish you pleasure. well. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye to you, John. Bye bye now. That's uh, John Wall speaking to us uh, this morning. 1800 938 007. The text on WhatsApp is 0833113311. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Uh, one of our listeners on to say, I've been listening to your friend talking about grandchildren. My marriage broke up in 2012 and it was not a good breakup, if there's such a thing. My ex used our children against me. 
even though I was a very good dad who worked very hard. I have one grandchild. Um, I see him regularly, but in the distance, I've never held or heard his voice. And it hurts me so much. And I wonder when he gets older and he finds out about me, what are they going to tell him? It's not very sad, isn't it? And from one of our listeners on 083 Somebody else saying, grandchildren change your life for the better and they give you an incentive and a motivation as well. Um, okay, my children, my grandchildren, I don't get to see them too often. Good relationship with both son and daughter-in-law, but they're only living 10 minutes away. I try to get the babysit every so often, maybe once a month to somebody. So we're getting a, a picture today about how special uh, it is to be a grandparent and a very... Obviously, emotional experience as well. Now, a ban on the sale of e-cigarettes for under-18s have been approved, has been approved by Cabinet. And new proposals will see the sale of vaping devices removed from self-service machines and from mobile premises. Now, in addition, advertisements for e-cigarettes will be prohibited on public transport in cinemas or near schools. Now, you might remember Derek Cagney, the owner of the Modified Vapes franchise. He spoke to us a few weeks ago uh, about this, and he joins me again. Good morning to you, Derek. Good morning, Fran. Great to talk to you again, Derek. When last you spoke to me, you you were of the opinion that there needed to be some form of uh, regulation around this. Are you happy with these new proposals? Yeah, it was definitely a step in the right direction, Fran. Um, it was very welcome news. Um, it's 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 well overdue. I, I, I think it should have been implemented back in 2016 when the TPD laws came in first. How they allowed under 18 to 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 access uh, a nicotine product is beyond me. But um, look, it's fantastic news for the industry, and it's fantastic news for parents and families as well. You know, trying to keep children away from these things. So yeah. And why is it such good news, Derek? Because I'm just thinking, I mean, I I presume that, you know, some of your business will be curtailed after this because youngsters were buying them. Yeah, but, you know, Fran, for for your good vape vendor on the high street, um, he didn't have that issue because, you know, I don't know of any any of my colleagues that would have tolerated under-18s. We always went by a recommended age of 18 anyway, so we were, were strict. Uh, we so were you strict, regulated uh, yourself, sir? Well, we had to self-regulate. Yeah. It's it very awkward. And, 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 you know, you'd have parents coming in, you're, you're giving your, your business a bad name, it doesn't look good, it's a bad image. Um, no, you have to you have to conduct yourself properly. Um, in relation to underage uh, vaping, it, it, it's solely down to um, the accessibility outside of, of vape stores as well, you know. It's it's, it's really available at every every corner, you know. Um, the removal of vaping devices from like the likes of self-service machines and mobile premises, you, I, I presume that's a good thing as far as you're concerned? Uh, well, look, I know of two colleges that hold vending machines that have vapes in them, you know. Um, is it a good thing to have vapes inside in the college? Is it a good thing? You know, without a doubt, it shouldn't be in vending machines and it shouldn't be accessible to, to people of underage. Right. And what about the advertising of it? Will that not be a difficulty for you? No, it's not. Because when, when, when the TPD first came in in, in May uh, 2016, they, they stipulated that we weren't allowed to to um, advertise. Um, and it was never really enforced. And, and, you know, I remember at one stage I, I supported a local magazine in, in Nina 
um, local community magazine and we've done an advert there for New Stover and I received a letter from the HSE saying that you can't do that. It was, it was, it was news to me, like, you know, I apologise for it and we, we never done it again. But um, you're not allowed to advertise tobacco products. Mm. You'd never see a cigarette advert on, on a billboard or on a bus mm. or anything. That that. So, you know, we're, we're regulated under the same the same banner. So the same should apply for us, you know. Yes. And what is it? Can you advertise on any platform then? I, I presume social media. Look, you can advertise on your own website and, and stuff like that, that, that you sell babes. But you can't. You can't. Um, use words like uh, superior and healthier choice, and okay. you can't be seen to be encouraging people away from what they're doing already, and, and and portraying this false image. You know, it is an alternative to to smoking, or it is a quitting aid uh, for somebody that needs to quit smoking. It's not something as a fashion accessory. You know. Yeah, last time you spoke to me, we got a lot of traction on it, Derek. And, you know, quite a few people came on to us and said, well, look, only for vapes, I would be still smoking. So there is that element there still, you know. Without a shadow of a doubt. And I I see even the the statistics still say that there's 4,500 people per year died um, due to tobacco-related products, you know, through smoking. Um, It was... uh, it, It is, without a doubt... A phenomenal um, item for for quitting smoking for the for the person that wants to quit smoking. There's two t- types of people that vape. There's people who, who vape who want to quit smoking, okay, and and they wean themselves down slowly and and they totally come off nicotine and they come away from it. And then there's the person who 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 just uses the vape as an alternative to smoking because of the cost. Mm. You know, mm. um, an average vape or a cost with maintenance on your product, everything, I suppose, maybe €9 Euros per week versus €15 Euros per day smoking. So if, if they can find it as an alternative, you know, some people just don't want to give up, but they, they'll use it as an alternative, you know. When you spoke to me last, we were largely talking about the disposable vapes. Is that covered in the legislation? I couldn't find it in what I have here in no, front of me. No, it's not. It's not. What they've done is, is, is they've identified that um, uh, disposable vapes are obviously being used uh, more likely by people under the age of 18 and and the advertising of it is, is widespread. So what they've done is they've targeted the, the age thing first, the advertising. Because I don't know if you remember when we spoke last, Fran, I was explaining to you that we have to submit uh, the product to the HSC for, for testing. Yes, uh, yes. And we have to get our submission and get our ECID numbers. And because these disposables are going through that chain and because the people that are making them aren't breaking any... Um, rules or regulation, they feel like they shouldn't be punished for it, that there should be other uh, other laws put in place first before mm. that, that happens. Now, listen, the disposable industry is, is more of an environmental issue than it ever is a HSE issue. Um, to, to environmental Minister Eamon Ryan is, is, is pushing for that because of the lithium-iron iron yes. batteries yeah. that's inside them. I mean, it does make sense to just throw batteries away you know, constantly. So it is an environmental issue. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, it will come into place, I think it's January, is it, that it comes into place? Well, they're, they're, they're hoping to have it all ruled out by the end of 2023, is what they're saying. Now, I had a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, that was on RTE yesterday evening, and I was talking to him late last night. He said that the, the vast amount of measures that they're going to introduce should be in by March. Um, so I, that would consist of the underage, the advertising, and the vending machines. Um, they're also going to look at um, 
uh, flavor, flavors such as gummy bears, bubble gum and stuff like that, which I, uh, is there a need for it? I don't think so. Um, a standard flavor is fine, but they don't mm. need to have uh, the name gummy bears or stuff like that. You know, that's but, but Which is, is geared directly to, to his kids, I suppose. Yeah. Of course, yeah. of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, you have uh, what else is coming up on that bill? The, the licensing laws. So they're they're, they're talking about um, dedicated vape shops only selling vape. So um, we'd have to be licensed. I presume that we'd be regulated then, and if we were to breach any of them licensing laws, that we'd have trouble renewing our license. I suppose like a public. Like a pub, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which makes sense. Which again, you, you wouldn't have a problem with, I guess. Of course not. Yeah. It needs to be. Re- Needs to be regulated, you know. It's 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 it's, it's, it's nicotine at the end of the day. It's, it's it's helping people with addictions. It's not for encouraging people to have addiction, you know. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. See, I I just can never get over how slow. Once they do the legislation, it's it's so slow to get things in operational, isn't it? Well, for example, they brought in TPD in two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. I mean, all these all these all these items should have been on that list in 2016. So slow is an understatement. Uh, had 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 COVID not occurred, I, I would assume that it would have come in a lot earlier. Um, I, I believe that COVID. Um, I heard of a lot of these laws pre-COVID, and and that they were trying to do something then. I think COVID put a stop to all of it. So now I think that everything is kind of relaxed with the COVID side of things. They're now getting back to business. All right, Derek. Well, really good to talk to you. We wish you well with your business. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. And good Thank morning you so to much, you. Bye bye to you now. That's uh, Derek Cagney. Uh, Derek, originally from the same hometown as myself, from Cashel, the owner of Modified Vapes franchise. We'll take a break and we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1 800 938 007. Just before the break, I was speaking to Derek there about the ban on the sale of e-cigarettes for under-18s being approved by Cabinet. Well, Noel joins me now. Noel, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and thanks for having me. You're very welcome indeed, Noel. You're of the opinion, um, going along with most people, saying that they shouldn't be given to, to under-18s anyway. Most definitely. They, they should not be given. They shouldn't even be available to under-18 years of age. Most definite. Mm. So this legislation, it's a long time coming, this, though, isn't it? Well, to be honest with you, I don't really follow it much, but uh, when, when your your researcher rang me yesterday or texted me yesterday asking me would I be interested in talking, mm. and I was uh, I was saying most definite because there's a, a little story behind mine mm. my, uh, with cigarettes. I was a smoker and a, and a very big smoker at the time when, right. I, was in, when I was in secondary school in Galway. Mm. I thought it was cool when you're when you're with your mate. Sure, yeah. You thought you had your cigarettes stuck in your mouth. Great, you're around the back of the corner of the building. You're great. But as years went on, it came against me. I have I have now asthma, so that's why I'm against it. And you think that's due to the early smoking? Yes, early smoking. I have lung problems. I never had lung problems. And I used to smoke. Say I used to get my hands on money every morning. And I used to buy 20 boxes of eggs or 10 boxes. No, at the time, there was a box of 10. Mm. At the time, I used to go into the local shop in Portumna and get them, no problem, for £10. Good at the God. Time. Good God. So, and, and how much, like, what age are we talking about here? 16 was, or 15? I, I was 15, 16 years of age. And and how many a day were you smoking at that I was point? Smoking, oh, I used to smoke the 10 a day. Yeah, which was an awful lot back then. It was. Yeah. 
it was an awful lot for the and, time. And did your family know or were you hiding it? Or? Well, I'll tell you a little story behind that. I was smoking where, where we were living. We were in a rural area in outside Portumna. Yeah. And we would always went over to the local church. Behind the church was a little village called Gortonumra. Yes. And uh, in behind that there was a hedge. My mother drove over one day with the car, stepped into the car bank, said to me, I didn't know a hedge used to smoke. <laughs> and I said, oh, just, I don't know anything about that. I said, she says me, well, just the sm- there was smoke coming up over the hedge, and I said a few minutes ago, I didn't know they used to install he- uh, stoves and hedges. <laughs> so that's a, a, so you were spotted. You were spotted. Yeah. Sorry, you were spotted. I was spotted straight away. But then, as time went on, a friend of mine used to be an undertaker, and how I gave them up was uh, my friend in Portumna was an undertaker. He's deceased now, and uh, he said to me, "No, would you like to give up the fags?" He says to me, and I said, "I would." Well, I said, "I'm not able." I said, "I'm not doing my own." And he said, I'll show you a little thing. He says, he brought me, in, brought me in with a friend of his doing a post-mortem on an old fellow that used to smoke. That turned me off from pegs completely. That was it? No, the, he took out their lungs, cut them open, and ever since, that turned me off from pegs. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he, he says, now, he said, it's the hardest part you have to do now and all. He says, see that stove over there in the corner, he says. Throw them into it. And was that it for you then? Uh, well, no, I used to smoke an odd one here and there. Yeah. But... To, to this day, I have problems. And how did you get off them, Noel? Well, bit by bit, I used to say, okay, you have to have a bit of willpower. Mm. And you have to say to yourself, right, that's it. Come off the fags. Now, as as years went on, they were getting dearer and dearer and dearer and dearer. Mm. Now, I see it. My own wife here, she smokes. Mm. And she smokes tort, maybe two boxes, three boxes a week. Right. And I find it, they're extremely dear. So I, I just said, that's it. Come off them. And you have to have willpower to come off them. You do, but I i mean, I don't smoke, thankfully, but I know, I hear from friends of mine who smoke that it's an extremely difficult habit to, to kick. But even even now, I'm off them, right? Yeah. But the least little bit of work I do, I can't do it. Even I'm still, breathless. because of the damage done. Yeah, the damage is done to my lungs. The damage is done to my lungs. That's the whole reason I'm against it. If and what do you think about cigarette. vaping in general, Noel? What, what do you think about the concept of vaping? Hmm? They're disgusting. Do you think so? Yeah, because yeah. you're still inhaling it. Yeah. You're still inhaling it. You're, uh, anyone that's, and like I see in some pubs now, they're letting them smoke in the pubs yeah. with the vapour. Yeah. And that should be banned completely. If you're, if you're smoking, you're smoking. Get outside and smoke. Right, and and do you feel that that might be a danger to you in a pub if people are vaping around you? Yeah, yeah, because you're inhaling it. Right. You're and, inhaling. And you you're don't still... know what you're inhaling, is that it? You don't, no. Yeah. Now, people, you could well end up having asthma without having had that smoking habit, I suppose. Well, I in my, in our family, we never had asthma, friend. Right, okay. So we, we did have heart problems and we did have uh, hip problems and all sorts of stuff. But apart from that, friend... Right. So like, you, you're blaming the smoking, the early smoking. I would early blame smoking, the smoking yeah. straight away. Like, I'm on to my wife every day of the week. Would you ever think of giving up the fags? Would you ever think of giving up the fags? And I hear a big sigh out of her. <laughs> I hear a big sigh out of her. What straight is the cost? What's a, what's a box of 20 now? How much is box it? Box of fags, well, I hear, I hear her saying 1870. Wow. Wow. 1870, I hear her saying. And I said, that's 1870 that you could put away for a holiday. <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't work like that. I mean, if you're addicted to the blooming things, you are, you know. Yes. There's not much you can do about it. 
But, but like, I don't expect a person to come off them straight away. Yes. Gradually weigh off them. Yeah. And what do you think of, Think about things like patches and all of that kind of thing? Well, to me, they, they don't work. Hmm. Well, they, for, for, work some people, they will, for some people, they, they seem to have they will, yeah. worked, but yeah. For certain, say for three or four hours a day that you have no fags on you, hmm. they will work that way. But in, in the long term, no, they don't work. Yeah. Well, some people came on and they told us about the vaping, that it got them off cigarettes, you know. Yeah. Well, so it depends. Depends on... That's the that's the only reason I'm against the cigarette spread. Yeah. And that's... I, I find it very disgusting. Yeah. Um, somebody saying if cigarettes uh, bothers uh, everybody so much, uh, why don't they ban them altogether? Um, seeing as they don't allow them in pubs, I suppose the government is getting too much in tax from them. And of course, that's the the thing, isn't it? I mean, if a box of cigarettes is 18, uh, you're, you can imagine what the government is getting out of that. Yeah. Now, that's only Vincent Hedges, they're 1870. Right. And that's a box of 27. Oh, right. Box 27. Now, a box of 20, I think they're 15.80. Okay. So there's a. A big difference, isn't it? Two years something in the there difference. Is, there is, but it's still an awful price, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that would, that would be 15, 16 euro a day, yeah. every day, seven now, days a week. Some right. people don't stay in one box for the week. They would buy three or four boxes. Yeah, yeah, or more even, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's it's incredible. And and are you aghast now? I mean, going around and seeing kids, I mean, particularly young girls, I see young girls still smoking and, uh, you know, does it... How does that make you feel when you see that, though? Well, if I, as, as I said to my wife yesterday, if I had money in the morning, if I was rich in the morning, I'd go to them people and I'd say, here, there's 5,000 euros. Come off the fags, stay off the fags, and I'll give you the 5,000 euros. Right. You feel that strongly about it, no? Yes. All right. Your poor wife, I hope she's okay with you talking about her. She's used to it now, so it's okay. She's okay. Well, give her so, give her my very best and apologise to her for me, will you? No problem, friend. Thank you very much, friend. Thanks, Noel. Thanks very okay. much indeed. That's Noel speaking to us today um, about his aversion, his aversion to uh, cigarettes and about his poor wife as well. 1800-938-007. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie All right then, the excitement is building. Let's do it. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Tip FM's Match 3 game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road all right, Luke is in Cashel. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Fred. How are you today? Not too bad. I have a bit of man flu, so you'll have to forgive oh. me if I'm not that clear. Oh, you poor dose. You poor... I feel for you, see, but there's women out there that will be screaming at the radio now. But I, but I know what that's like. It's very debilitating <laughs> altogether, Luke. You have my full sympathy. You, you know what the story is with this. Um, if you choose a number... And uh, if it's already gone, if the box is em- empty, I'll give you another shot at it. If that's gone, we have to say goodbye. Is that okay with you? Perfect, yeah. All right, okay. So, first of all, then, we want you to choose a number between 1 and 90, Luke. I'll try 71, please. Let's have a look at that particular box. Okay, 71 is a DeLonghi oil-filled radiator to the value of about €130, so it's a nice one. Uh, Pick another box for me. 
number 12. Number 12. Let's open that box. Oh, you're doing very well. Number 12 is a DeLonghi oil-filled radiator as well. So you're going well. Two out of three ain't bad. Pick a third one for me, Luke. Here comes the hard part. It's a total guess now. Um, I'll go for 43. Number 43. Let's open that box. Oh, disappointment for you. Disappointment for you. 43 is a Nell Cattell tablet to the value of 180 euros. So again, it's a lovely prize. So commiseration to you, um, Luke. Do you want to say hello to anybody as you're on? Uh, just anyone that knows me. Thanks very much. All right. Look after yourself. And mind yourself with that man flu, won't you? All the best. Bye. Bye, bye. bye bye, Luke. That's Luke in Cashel there. Luke Keane in Cashel. Uh, two out of three. And uh, we'll be playing uh, our match three game in association with Stakedoms right throughout the day. And of course, we'll do it on the programme tomorrow as well. Tip FM's match three game. Unwrap an early Christmas present from Stakelums Home and Hardware and Stakelums Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurles. Shop online at stakelums.ie. Match three, win the prize. Tip FM. Do you know what Lister was on to say? I, I saw a three or four year old vaping. I wonder, is that a mistake? A three or four year old vape. I said gently to him, where did you get that thing from that you're puffing on? He said, I found it. It was on the sofa. It belongs to my mommy. So I told him it will make him sick. And uh, he said, ah, it's okay. Mommy does it. Oh my God, says Margaret. A three or a four year old. Good God. Fran, I smoked 20 cigarettes a day for 45 years. I tried and failed a few times to give up smoking. And then one morning in 2015, I got the box of cigarettes and I said to myself, I can't do this anymore. And I threw them into the fire. And that was the end of that. Thank God I never looked back. Your head has to be in the right place to succeed. We go to a public house on Sunday nights and the man and his daughter running it both use vapes. It does not look good, but each to their own. Well, fair play to you. I'm delighted that you... uh, that you managed to kick the habit because 20 a day for 45 years. Well, Joe was on to say, uh, well, now, Fran, I gave up uh, fags a long time ago, but I do vape. And yes, there's nicotine in the vape, but no tar, which is the harmful part. And I've told my lads, make sure and stick one in me coffin just in case I can't get one upstairs or downstairs when I kick the bucket, says Joe. You always make me laugh, Joe, that's uh, for sure. We spoke to a number of callers yesterday who detailed their own experiences with racism and some of them had really harrowing stories uh, of what they had to endure and the amount of text we got on the topic was truly uh, shocking. Um, Paul, Paul Lafford is a regular contributor to our show and he joins me on air. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm great, Paul. But Jenny Mac, do you know something? Will you, will you tell us your story, first of all? I won't even preempt it, Paul. Tell, tell me what you witnessed. Yeah, but obviously we're not going to say where it was. Yeah. Because there's nobody there to defend themselves. But uh, it's quite a long story short. Um, we were all off last Wednesday. My gang were going to, um, to Amsterdam to a, a concert. And just on a side issue, friend, if any of your listeners are going someplace from our house, to Cork Airport through security through the whole lot 75 minutes wow now so that's one isn't that fantastic it. isn't it couldn't believe it just yeah. couldn't believe it anyway that's not here nor there yeah. so when the lads uh, dropped the lads at the airport and um, our fella since he was knee high to a grasshopper he gets uh, a Star Wars advent calendar mm. every year 
and um, we're trying to keep it going for as long as we can. There's not long left in them, mm. so we'll try and keep it going. Mm. And I stopped, went into a, a shop to get the advent calendar, and I got the last one in the shop. So I was standing in the queue when you were to pay for it, and the staff were the staff were checking receipts, and the security man was checking receipts, and it's standard procedure, friend, in a lot of places nowadays, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I was standing in the queue, minding my own business, and I heard kind of raised voices beside me. And again, I really wasn't paying too much attention to it. The shop was fairly busy, and the next thing, this guy seemed to be taking total exception to being asked for his receipt. And it, it really, it really seemed to be getting a bit nasty. And there was a staff member there, and there was the security man. Now the security man. He was coloured. Now, I don't know, can you allow to say that? I don't want to sound yeah, any offensive. I know, I know. Should we all know? No, I know, but be. you know the times we live in, friend. Oh, sure, I know. A person of colour, I think, is the accepted um, parlance at the moment, Paul. But, <laughs> right, but there okay. you go. Yes. For that. yes. But, um, but anyway, and the next thing, this guy, anyway, he totally lost it. And he referred to the security man as an effing banana man. Oh, my God, and I swear to God, now, friend, we all have this thing that you say, you know, if I was there, here's what I do and mm. all this stuff. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, friend, I, I froze. And I just, there was a part of my brain, it was telling me that this isn't happening, like this doesn't happen. I had, n- you see, look, I, I don't want to come across as a, as a shrinking violet, as they say, or one of these woke people, and anything but. I think playing music, for instance, through many years in pubs, we've all seen an old row breaking out or a frack and, you know, nine times out of ten, it's alcohol and the the protagonist will probably be sitting down talking to each other ten minutes later. It's always something stupid. But this was half one on a Wednesday afternoon in a toy shop. There was children around there. There was other parents buying bits and bobs for Christmas and what have you. But he didn't just say it once. He referred to the, the security man with the, using the same term. I hate the term. I yeah. answer yeah. He used the same term at least three or four more times. Shouting it. Shouting in front of everybody. And I, there was a man and his wife in front of me. And they were ashen-faced. And I think the, one of the worst parts about it, and this guy and his partner, they had a small little child in a pushchair, maybe three years old. And I just said to myself, what hope has that child? So I went up, the girl serving there was in shock, I'll be honest with you. We were all in shock. And as I said, Fran, much to my embarrassment, I actually said nothing because the first thing they'll tell you is you could make things worse by getting involved. Secondly, security people in these retail places, they're specially trained to cope with stuff like this. There's obviously security procedures, there's CCTV, so I'm sure the owners would decide on what to do. So I, I paid for my <clears throat> few bits and bobs anyway, and as I was going out, I met the security man, and I stopped and I and I just I said, look, I just like to apologise. I said for what has just happened, and I shook his hand, and his hand was freezing cold. Now, it wasn't that cold a day, and I just I I just friend, I just said to myself, if that was me, if I was treated like that, I would probably just hand in my notice and say, you know what, there's no flipping job worth this. And I, I left the shop anyway, and it, it stayed with me for the whole day. I yeah. couldn't get it out of my mind how anybody 
inside in a toy shop of all places. With children around? With little children, with other parents around. I mean, like, coming up to Christmas, you know, toy shops are great, funny, great places for people to yeah, go, like. And, of course. And, um, but this guy, and, and I, could, I could see this small little child, a little girl, about three years of age, with them. I just like, what hope has that child? And I thought, like, if they're like yeah. that... How did how did the security man react to the insults? He absolutely, he was obviously these lads are trained on how to cope. I mean, I know some lads in the security business, and I know they're very very highly trained. This man, he kept he kept his cool because I can tell you one thing, Fran. If somebody referred to me like that, I don't think I'd be able to keep my cool. He yeah, but that was an insult. I mean. That was an insult to the core of his being. Do you, do you know? Totally. I mean, it, it doesn't totally. get any worse than that, really. No, does it, it doesn't. Um, I have never witnessed something like that. Now, as I said, I please, I don't want to go on. You know me. I, you know I'm not that type of person that gets offended. Sure, and all that I know. I don't I know. do that kind of stuff. Yes. But this was the first time I had ever witnessed anything like that. The, the vitriol of this person, pure hatred, and that the best he could do was to use this such an insult against a man because of the colour of his skin. But obviously that that uh, that sort of reflects some deep, deep prejudice that this guy had, you know? Mm. But as I said, like, I mean, when I spoke to the security man, he kind of... Yeah, he how did he... Re- what, what did he say back to you when you apologised on he, behalf he of decent me. people? He thanked me first and foremost, and I said, like, you know, please, I said, you know, I said that this wouldn't be typical, we say, of, of Irish people or indeed of any decent human being to to do to say that to a person. But I'll, I'll, I'll never forget how cold his hand was. And I don't know, like, would that be a state the man might have been in a bit of shock or something? I don't know. Now, I'm sure, like, that retailer will have their own policies and procedures in place and how to cope with instances like that. But I did email the the store and I told them that if they wished, I was quite prepared to make a statement to the Gardaí because, I mean, to me, it was a hate crime. I'd be brutally honest with you. Mm. And I was quite prepared if they wanted, I would make a statement in care and the guards could send it down to them or whatever. And I said if they wanted to take a case to court, I would happily go down as a witness because I felt like you have to do something. I mean, it's just not tolerable. It's just not possible. You just couldn't tolerate something like that. Like, and then I wondered, like, we live in care, for, as you know, we have a huge multicultural society in mm. care and people in care from, like, where I'm living, there's people from Brazil, there's people from... Eastern and it's been like, there for, like that for a long time, Paul. Absolutely. I was yeah. down in Aldi the other evening and I met, uh, when I was coming through the checkout, there was two, the woman working at the checkout was talking to a customer and when I came through, I just said, what language were you speaking there? And she said, that was actually Russian. And she said, she's from Latvia, which was part of the former Soviet Union mm. and she speaks fluent Latvian, Russian and obviously English. And like, and I like having a chat with these people. Like, I mean, and about all that, and obviously, I suppose after Keen and all that, we we're interested in mm. stuff in Eastern Europe and all that. And I have some of the best friends you could imagine from Eastern Europe. And I mean, as I said, maybe maybe we're just sheltered from all this stuff. Like when we're living in in little towns like here and little villages well, like... maybe so, know. but have you any idea where that sort of hatred would come from? Like, what's the genesis of that? I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, 
it wouldn't be in you, it wouldn't be in me to do to say that to a person. Like, I mean, we grew up in a time, for instance, back in the 80s, when, when if a person was gay, they couldn't come out and say it. Yeah. So yeah. is it this prejudice that's in our society all the time? And it's only now like that we have a newer generation come along that accept this and people like us that move with the times. But there are so many people that haven't moved with the times and never will. My only fear about it, Paul, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this as well, is that with the Ukrainian refugees coming in and with the obvious ongoing difficulties we have here with housing, this yeah. is sort of causing people, our, people might be yeah. making it as an excuse to be racist in some way as well, because we can't look after our own. We appear to be looking after yeah. people coming into us. Are you concerned about that? Very much so, and I'm glad now that you said that, Fran, because that is something that's uppermost in my mind at the moment. And what what actually concerns me even more is that if you do speak up and go against the official narrative or whatever, you're immediately labelled. And that is something like... Everybody has an opinion on stuff. Mm. And I, my own opinion, again, is that if you actually decide that you want to try and voice that opinion, you're immediately shut down. Yes. And yes. I think that is, that, like, I'll give you an example. So years ago, can you remember there when the nurses and midwives went out looking for a pay increase? I remember. And they were told there was no money. Yeah, yeah. A few weeks later, they found billions to shut down the country for two years. We're told we have 11,000 people homeless, 3,000 of them children. Mm. We have a million people on waiting lists. And we have a, we have a government that I don't know. Like what, I, don't, I just don't know what they're, what they're trying to do. But they're alienating people. And if there is, and you're dead right, if there's any underlying bit of prejudice, whatever it is, it will people emerge. Getting, yeah, it, it will emerge. It will. <laughs> and we saw we saw that with East Wall, and then there's some unsavory groups that that might make use of this for their for their own Absolutely. agenda as well. Yeah, they see an opportunity, and they're in. Like I mean, and it's perfect. Like I mean, it's they're ripe for the picking. So, I as I said, I just for the life of me, I can't understand exactly what they're yes. playing at, but it's still for one second doesn't even remotely condone what no, I not saw a, not last at all. week. Not at all. And like that is totally that is like Ireland was never like that, Fran. I remember my but you my see dad, we weren't I had this conversation with Andrew Luby Andrew Luby after the programme yesterday. You see, we were never tested, Paul up until recent decades, when you think about it, you know. I mean, when I was growing up, I don't think there was any person of colour around Cashel that I knew. Well, no, there wasn't. No, you know? no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Like, I mean, so I we weren't tested in any way. And I wasn't. So I fully yeah. agree with you. And if you, if you went to London or someplace, it was then that you did see yes. yeah. some different cultures for the first time. And I can remember back in the 1990s, we said when people from Eastern Europe first started to come to Ireland, a lot of people were phoning into radio shows saying they should all go home. And because a lot of people, they weren't prepared for it, they had this idea that they were coming in, they were taking our jobs and all this nonsense. Like, I mean, as I said, some of the best friends I have made are from Eastern Europe and they've come to care, for instance, and it, it's totally to the benefit of the town. Mm. And, like, it's brilliant. But 
I think that you have to look at, well, I mean, you mentioned the, the East Wall situation, mm. Mm. and you have to look at areas with, like, with massive unemployment, with no proper infrastructure there. Or services to or anything people. like that, yeah. yeah. And then and what worries me is straight away that they're coming out then, and all these people are deemed as racist. And, and it, you see, the other it, thing, Paul, is, so, and again, I'd like your opinion, what brain box would decide you can do that without consultation with people? You know? Well, you know, I was thinking of this last night, and like where I live in care, right, I obviously live in a residential area. Mm. If I decided in the morning that I want to change my house to a business, and I thought of a business, just say making concrete blocks, mm. and I was going to have heavy-duty lorries and machinery and dust and everything, mm. I would have to look for planning permission, which I wouldn't get. Mm. Our neighbours would all obviously look at this and they'd go, hang on a second, we're not going to tolerate this, quite rightly, so I wouldn't tolerate it. So these people, so that's what you have, it's called due process. And people have to be consulted. But with the likes of this thing, this is all railroaded in on top of people with no consultation. And if you open your mouth, you're the worst in the world. Yeah. And that, friend, is a very slippery slope. I think it's a very yeah. dangerous situation, to be, totally. to be honest with you, Paul. Totally. And the trouble is, if people feel as alienated as they do, that's just going to fester. And, and, like, and it will excuse them, I suppose, then, or they'll feel excused if they want to come out like that guy did and, and say all sorts of dreadful stuff. You know? Absolutely. But but that said, as I said, like I know I'm ever deviating from my original point, mm. it was absolutely the most disgusting thing I've ever seen or heard. And to think like that in this day and age, and I genuinely stood in the queue, and I, I can guarantee you there was a couple, I could still see the couple in front of me that day, and they they were just ashen-faced. Just total shock that something like this would happen. And uh, as we said to repeat ourselves, especially with young kids, impressionable kids around the place, sure it's a Absolutely. disgrace. Absolutely. What know. hope have they, friends? Paul, really good to talk to you as always. Yourself, you look, look after Thanks yourself, Paul. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Bye-bye, you, bye you now. It's Paul Lafford uh, speaking to us this morning. 1800-938-007. Fran, will you wish Leah Crotty the very best of luck with her junior cert results today? Lots of love of, uh, coming in from her mum and a dad and also to all of the other students and so say all of us uh, the results out today I think about four o'clock so the very best of luck to Leah and everybody else expecting junior cert results uh, today Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie Yeah, mother was on to uh, Emma to say uh, I found a disposable vape in my daughter's bedroom this week she's just 13, almost 14 years old I asked her about it after school and she said all the teens her age were doing it I took her to the shop in our local area who sells vapes to these kids and the person working there uh, denied selling the vapes to young people. Now, may I also add that there was a queue of children in school uniforms who left the shop at that particular time. I then went to the guard station about it. I asked them what uh, the legal age is to buy vapes and I told the guard that uh, 13 or 14-year-olds are able to get vapes without any bother in this particular outlet. The guard just said that he'd send somebody down to check. You see, the legislation isn't in place yet, so I'm not sure if they were 
breaking the law where that is concerned. I'm not, I'm not certain about that, but I, I don't think they were. Um, it must have been a shock to you, though, all the same. Not all disabilities are visible. Some are hidden and not immediately obvious, uh, such as learning difficulties, mental health, as well as mobility, speech, visual or hearing impairments. Living with a hidden disability can make daily life more demanding indeed for many people but it can be difficult for others to identify, acknowledge or even understand the challenges that you might face. Now wearing the hidden disability sunflower when out and about at shops and premises discreetly indicates to people around you that you have a hidden disability and I suppose that you might require some additional help or or support or maybe just simply a little more time to do your business. Now, one of our listeners, Tracy, was in touch with us about this and she joins me now. Tracy, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome indeed, Tracy. You wear a sunflower. Yes, I do. I have it for when I need it. Right. And and tell me about that and how important that is to you, Tracy. Well, I feel it's right for people to, to know that I have, like, I have a few different hidden disabilities and sometimes now I do require a crutch which makes it more obvious Mm. but people don't know and if they don't know they can't be understanding of my disabilities Right and because you look fine and healthy and well Tracy are there times when you've been sort of you know put put under pressure where this is concerned Yeah especially during Covid I found even more so people didn't understand why, why, Why was that particularly obvious during COVID? Um, a lot of people, do you know, with the social distancing, because yes. when COVID came about, I got very unwell with it and nearly died from COVID. So it made me very anxious around COVID. Mm. And people didn't understand. I didn't want them standing close to me. Right, okay. But they saw you as looking well and healthy and they're wondering why you're yes. making a fuss, I guess. Is that Yes, is that they it? did. They used to be like, so you look fine and then I had to explain to them and then they were kind of very some people were understanding and fine and then you have people that are a bit rude about it and I didn't feel like I should have to explain that constantly Yeah, because you were saying to Emma Tracy that the way people treat others is astonishing um, what, what? it is astonishing yeah. yeah even like recently now my pelvis hasn't been good it's been very painful so I've had to use a crutch and I find some people will push you out of the way in a store, and I've had that happen recently. Even though you were, you you have a crutch with you. Yeah, even though I'm walking along with my a crutch, and my my balance is unstable. I've had someone actually push me in a store just to get in at a shelf because I was in the way and I wasn't moving fast enough. And is the sunflower lanyard is that well known enough to be effective? Is isn't really like I've had someone recently say, oh I didn't know what that was and when I explained to them they were like oh that's actually a great idea fantastic because and, yeah and what exactly have, is it is it a laminated card or with with a sunflower on it what is a little it? kind of lanyard that goes around your neck yeah. and then you can get cards on the hidden disability store website and to put on the bottom of it or you could just put a little fidget or something on the end of it right and like do you, for someone with autism, that would help. Of course, it would indeed. And what about where parking and disability parking is concerned, Tracy? Do you do you have that? Um, not yet. Okay. I am going to try and apply for it. I don't know will I get it because it's very hard to get apparently. Mm. But what you could do try. with it, could you? I could do with it because some days, like again with my pelvis, 
I do have to open my door fully and swing both legs out. Right. And again, that's that's the thing that really annoys the hell out of people, wrongly so, when they see somebody yeah. that looks fine getting out of a car in a disability. But you're, they don't know whether there might be heart trouble or... I have heard horror stories about that and people that getting abuse off people. Which again, people should just walk on and mind their own business. But they don't, Tracy. Is they that don't. No, I don't. I know they don't. And that is the society, unfortunately, that we live in. Right, but here's an option then, which is the sunflower uh, lanyard. And just tell me that yeah. again. You you can download that, or can you get it from you a website? You can go is on hiddendisabilitystore.com, and that's the website. You can also get a lanyard on that and a card. Oh. Tesco's also give out the free lanyards okay. to wear. Now, on the store, the website, you have to pay for them, but then it's not too expensive. It was about five euros for me to get that the lanyard, the card, and. Right. But just to make people aware, when you see this, it means that the person, I mean, while they might look fine, they have a hidden disability. Which is whatever it is. It, it covers the likes of autoimmune disorders, fibromyalgia, COP, or down to COPD, autism, hmm. migraines, the whole lot. Right. But but don't judge people, I suppose, is what you're saying, no, Tracy, no. because and you don't know. also another website for people with hidden disabilities which gives them a range of different services it's called invisibledisabilityireland.com and it has an awful lot of websites on there that will help people mm. with hidden disabilities it's quite a list I was often wondering Tracy is it difficult to brand yourself as being disabled in some way is, it, is that a difficult it, one to get your head around it is it took me a long time to even apply for disability. Point, because it was giving in. You saw it as giving in or something, yes, isn't it? Yes, I did in essence see it as giving in. Yeah. And in reality, it actually isn't because I can still train and find a job that is suitable for me and actually work part-time because I'm not physically capable of working a full-time job. Right. Because I've tried, I've tried doing a full-time course and I ended up so shattered that if I tried doing anything, I could have actually injured myself. Right. So I've yeah. had to give in in the end. But but you do work part-time and you... I am doing courses now to get back to some form of work that I'm physically able to do. Like I'm doing a bookkeeping course mm. and I'm actually able to do that. Excellent. Well, fair play to you and well done uh, to you. But just to, again to repeat to people, if you see this um, this uh, disability sunflower uh, being worn by people, it's an indication that there is a hidden disability there, so go easy I suppose is the message. Yeah, Tracy is good more to... understanding of them and yeah. caring. Alright, good to talk uh, to you Tracy. Be kind. Alright, that's good advice for anybody any day. Thanks Tracy, thank you, good morning to you. That's uh, Tracy speaking to us there about the sunflower being the emblem of hidden Disability, 1800-938-007. Now, Newcastle Historical Society are hosting a postcard launch in the community hall this coming Saturday. A local man and a founding member of the society is Peter Ryan, who joins me now. Good morning to you, Peter. Morning, Fran. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this uh, initiative. Does it follow on from that celebration you have had of the five young men who lost their lives in the in the World War? Yeah, the, what we're doing now is we're 10 years on, Fran, and uh, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. And we're doing that um, through postcards of a snapshot in time, which came, uh, came around during the, the COVID. Mm. And it actually happened um, 
There was a local farmer, uh, Thomas and Karen O'Dwyer, and their five lovely daughters uh, would be driving cows past their entrance to the fields and back for milking. And Breda, my wife, she's also involved in the <clears throat> historical society. She just spotted them one night. She said, wouldn't that be a lovely snapshot in time? Yes. And uh, what a beautiful thing to watch and see. And that's where the idea came from, Fran. So uh, it was brought to our historical society then and uh, it developed from there. So, But I think, is that a lovely legacy to to have these cards available because, you know, can you imagine in 10 or 20 years' time where people look back at them? Yeah, d- d- those cards are going to be poked out of um, cupboards and presses yes. and under wardrobes yeah. and all yeah. of this in 100 years' time, 200 years. They're going to be posted all over the world. It's To me, it's a first. Uh, I haven't seen it anywhere else that anyone had come up. It's history now. Yes. Not what happened. Like, we celebrated uh, history like you said about um, when we unveiled, when we were formed, um, and that was back celebrating history 100 years ago, more. Yes. But the postcard idea is now. And in the in our local village alone, there's over 60 different businesses, uh, private people, farmers, everybody uh, bought in and wanted to be involved. Isn't it great? And what other kind of images? You spoke about the cows there, Peter. What else? There's there's, there's beautiful images. Um, they'll all be unveiled on Saturday night. Oh, in, no, in <laughs> other words, mind my own business for now. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, there are some beautiful images, Fran. There's right. from, there's from uh, my next-door neighbour standing out in a beautiful field of Goldie Corden, uh, oh, Pat uh, and he's gone organic, which we're actually very happy about mm-hmm. because we have um, butterflies and hairy um, mollies and all coming oh, back into our garden and he's supplying flavins in County Waterford which is that's just one we have our, uh, our neighbours down the road potatoes we have um, farmers sheep farmers we Excellent. have um, we have lovely pictures of um, peacocks we have that's a great well I, 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 you, you, need, you needn't spoil it because I know no, that you, you, you want people to be yes yeah, impressed by it when yeah, they say there's, yeah. there's 60 there's 60 images and yes. um, uh, there'll be a few words uh, spoken on all of the images and there'll be a bit of fun on Saturday night to uh, <clears throat> you know to, to unveil them so very good that's, uh, that's is, is everybody welcome along to, to oh, that oh by all means yeah. yeah it's one thing we like in our historical society is to be uh, inclusive everyone very We're, good we we, uh, we um, try to be a part of the whole community. Everything is, inv- is invited, everyone along, and the more the merrier, you know. So yeah, isn't great? How much are the cards? Because they will be on sale on the night, the won't they? The cards will be on sale for €2. Euro. Right. Very good indeed. And they'll be on sale, and um, they'll be on display, and we'll, we hope that we can print more if needs so, but we have a lot of cards printed. And I'd like to thank Showprint for their help on that one. Um, they were very good and very patient. And uh, also, like the, Anita, our secretary, who is our photographer as well, and um, Rita Day travelled um, the Linton Brett of our local village all summer getting people organised for mm. photographs and for to get you know all of this and our you know our hard working uh, committee that 
you know, like we don't take ourselves too seriously. Frank, you know, and that, that's why I, yeah, I, I love the ethos you know. of, of your society, though, Peter, yeah. because you, you point out yourself that, you know, history is not something to, to be locked in in vaults or the preserve of old men in dusty rooms, as you say. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's, it should be alive and should be uh, vibrant, I suppose. Yeah, and that's what we're that's what we're about. Mm. Like history is what everybody's doing today, what of they'll course. be doing tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not all about just what happened a hundred, hundred and fifty years, two hundred years ago. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that did happen, and like I suppose one of the reasons our our society um, actually we'd say got a better, whatever was. Um, because of history, mm. like mm. we have members of our our society that had uncles in the First World War, right. like they spoke at the at our meetings, and there was tear in their eye because they, the the society eventually gave them a platform where those men could be spoken about again. Because for a long time, men who served in the First World War, uh, you know, with 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 the, the with uh, the UK, they they couldn't they couldn't even speak about it. I mean, they couldn't. No, and 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 it was it, it was so sad, and the relief, like oh, I, I, there, was, there was an old man standing beside me, a very very good friend. He has passed on since, and one of our former men, members, and I know he won't mind his family won't mind me mentioning his name, because it was Mikey Keaton. And his his uncle John Hickey was one of the people that died uh, from our local village. And he he there was a tear in his eye was when that? this stone was was unveiled, and that they could now talk about what happened back then. But we are trying to get away from that as well. Like yeah, I said, yeah. now it's the history of now. Of course, well, yeah. You know, but the five the five men you're referring to, hmm. I was interested to see they were all called John, John Crotty, yeah. John Dunn, John Forbes, John Hickey, as you mentioned, and John yeah. Mansfield as well. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And um, you know, John Mansfield, uh, uh, one of our uh, members, at uh, one of our present uh, committee members, uh, Dennis O'Grady. I think John Mansfield was his um, was his uncle. Now, if I get any facts wrong here, um uh, Fran, you go easy on me because <laughs> I'm more of the do more of the donkey stuff than the, the uh, history on, stuff in, in this society. I, I, I doubt so. that very much indeed. Yeah, it's a, a yeah. terrific idea. So this coming Saturday night at uh, let me see what what time is it happening at? It's um, half seven. Half, half, half seven, past yeah. seven. All right, and everybody and, welcome along to that. Yeah, and there'll be an unveiling, and then there'll be a cup of tea and a bun and uh, chaps and a bit of crack. All right, it sounds, and, uh, sounds good. So, of course, uh, you're in a beautiful historic area around there, really, really. There's there's Gorgeous, more history, yeah. I suppose. There's more history in our little village here than yeah. than is imaginable. Like you know, we've we've a lot of lot of stuff um, going on here. There's some great um, societies here that have their own. You know, that covers yeah. all the other all history, like as well. So. Do you know like, where I was recently? Was it was Dune? It's not too far from you there, and I came down into Newcastle Village. Yeah, and yeah. God Almighty, it's be- I hadn't been there around that area. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is unbelievable. Isn't and it? if 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 you happen to be going out to Millery or that going up over the top of the cross, and you look down like it's yeah. we're very we're very we're blessed. We have such a beautiful um, a beautiful village and such a vibrant village, you know. And we and 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 that. Um, 
it's it's alive. There's great life around, you know, which mm. is which is. Um, and the great great sense, set dancing up that way as well. I can tell. And there's loads of dancing around <laughs> here. There's no scale for the music and dance that's, around, that's which is sure. great, you know. Well, Peter, congrats but, to everybody involved. Wait, anyway. before I go, I have yeah. another uh, little plug to put in. Yeah. Um, we have our um, pub quiz on the second of December in our local pub. And this year, it's it's a little bit more special because our local uh, quiz master, uh, PJ Colin, passed away during the summer, which I'm we're sorry. all very sad about. Yeah. But lucky, uh, his son Jack is taking up the mantle and he's going to do the, um, the quiz on the night. So uh, that'll be in uh, Nugent's Pub, Rose's Pub, on Friday the 2nd at 8 p.m. So we'd hope we get a few tables from that, you know, we hope to get a, a good crowd. Very, very good indeed. And All so, right, Peter, we wish you yeah, the very best. And, and I want thank to thank Keep FM for giving us a chance to um, get a plug in here and the Nationalists who are being good to us and yeah. Showprint and anybody else that sponsored prizes for our quiz and that. And thanks a million for having we'll talk to You're us. welcome here anytime, yeah. Peter. Look after no yourself. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye to you now. That's. Uh, Peter Ryan there speaking to us about what's happening in Newcastle. We'll take a break back in just a sec. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie says, Fran, it's interesting that you never really came across much racism in your time. Did I say that? I don't think I said People don't have to be black for racism to kick in. Go into any pub showing a game where the English team is playing and the amount of vitriolic hatred that's being directed at the players would make your hair stand on end. I was in a pub some time ago where a group of students had gathered and uh, the group that was providing the music would stop periodically um, in the middle of a song and scream into the microphone bleep bleep the English and that was the students cue to lift the roof with ooh ah up the ra and the irony of it is a lot of these students will end up working in England now yesterday we spoke to Dr Caroline Wells the sex educator on a recent study which showed that having multiple sexual partners does not affect your marriage chances in the long term and promiscuity, their word not mine does not have an impact on marriage rates now one of our listeners, uh, Sarah joins me now Sarah good morning to you Good morning, friend. You were listening to Helen's response to that as well, Sarah, and I think you're you're sort of in agreement with her, are you? Yes, absolutely. I don't believe that your your past history of any kind should affect your your relationships going forward. Everybody has a past. So the result of that study then doesn't surprise you? No, not at all. Hmm. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it actually. Yeah, and is that because of recent times? Do you think that would have been the case if that study was done 20, 30 years ago, for example? I don't think so, no. No, no. I think it would have been a different result altogether. But I think it's a good sign that people are kind of moving on and maybe kind of judgment is lessening a lot. Do you think that women would be judged differently to men, though, where this is concerned? Um, honestly, I think women always are, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think a man could have as many partners as he wanted and he'd get a pat on the back, but I think if a woman did it, she'd get a bad name. Yeah, he's told he's a great fella and he's a stud and all of this, yeah, whereas a woman yeah. could is often described as a, a slut. And, yes, you know. absolutely, yeah, yeah. And are you telling me that you think that we've moved on even from that now? We have moved on, probably not as much as we could do. Hmm. I think that there's probably definitely room for more improvement in that area, but that's, I, I was delighted to hear the results of that study because I do agree that whatever your history is, and you don't know what kind of relationships or life people have been in either that. Hmm. Yeah, you know it depends on the amount of partners they've had. And do you see it, Sarah, as not anybody's business? I mean, do you need to fess up and say, "Look, I've been with X amount of people," and you know? I don't think so. Yeah, it's nobody's business other than your own. No, absolutely not, or your future partner. But I mean, like I said, everybody has a past, and I think you should judge everybody on how they kind of treat you and how they are with you, and not anything they've done in the past. People can change and can move on as well. Um, Helen also made the point that, you know, the role of the church here is worth discussing as well and maybe that hold on people is no longer as profound as it used to be. Definitely, and I think that people just, these days unfortunately with everything that's happened, especially with the Catholic Church, that people don't hold their um, opinion to much of a standard anymore either. Mm. And do you have any concerns about I mean, you know, it, it depends on, I suppose, the reasons that you might sleep with loads of partners um, and mm-hmm. it mightn't be all that healthy, if you know what I mean. Does does that concern you? I think, yeah, I think sexual health is a big issue, especially I think of all the students going to college and that now and obviously the rates of sexually transmitted infections and disease in college students and that is quite high. Yes. But I don't, I think if being safe and looking after themselves and everyone's consent and then it's the rite of passage, you know, let them let them get through it. Just, I would urge them to be careful, obviously. Mm, yeah. And uh, again, Helen was making that uh, point that, that so long as it's for the right reasons that uh, people aren't, I mean, I won't even say forced, but uh, that they might feel obligated in some way to, to put it out there um, because they might think it's expected. I mean, at the end of the day, it still is your choice. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what exactly what it should be. And be saddened to think that any person, teenager or otherwise in this day and age, would feel the pressure to to sleep with someone just so they could say that they did. Yeah. It should never be that way. You can do it when when you feel absolutely right and when it's somebody you trust. You know. And and that's so important, isn't it? Are you yeah, cons- very much so. are you concerned? Because again, we touched on this yesterday. Are you concerned about the availability of porn and how that seems to be, in some cases anyway, affecting people's relationships and indeed expectations? I suppose as well. I think it probably does give a certain expectation, all right, and it's a completely unrealistic thing. To, if people are watching that and thinking that's the way it's going to be, especially if it's if they haven't been sexually active yet and they think that maybe that's how it's going to be. And I'd imagine it's probably very, um, how can I say it, it's probably very daunting for them as well because if you're quite an innocent person and you're looking at something like porn, Mm, mm. you know, if you think that's the way it's going to be, I can imagine it'd be very overwhelming to think that that's what you're going to experience or have to 
It's a, it's a very it's good point. It's unrealistic, you know. Yeah, it's a very, and, and that's the point, isn't it? It's completely yeah. unrealistic and it's Absolutely. important for, for, particularly for young people to, to yeah, realise yeah. that. Sarah, it was a delight to talk to you and thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. No thank you. Thanks, thank friend. you. Bye bye to you now. That's Sarah speaking to us there, following on from that conversation we had yesterday with uh, Dr. Caroline West. And a lot of people on to us, in fact, who were very impressed. Uh, by how Dr. Caroline West uh, spoke to us yesterday and how upfront she was about this and uh, uh, full of great information as well. That's about it from me for today. Emma produced Ali looks after our content. Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel and I will talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves now, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.